With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of Sports Central, Sunday the 31st of October. And happy Halloween to you. In fact, it's scary to think how much we're going to cram into the next four hours here on SEN 1170. There's an open invitation, as always, for you to join the conversation. And there is some space on the open line right now. If you do fancy a quick chat, that number 1300 01 1170. Or you can drop us a text 0457 736 736. Um, you might want to talk some cricket too after Australia's huge loss to England uh, by eight wickets in the early hours this morning at the T20 World Cup. Well, what a wake-up call that was. Um, many people were saying this would be a, a real barometer or a gauge on just how well we were doing. We won our first two, so did England, uh, but they are now three from three, and that's our first loss, and a loss in a big, big way. Uh, all out for 125, we were. England, uh, they chased down uh, the target of 126 uh, with ease. In fact, they, they did it with 50 balls to spare. That is that is a thumping. Uh, Josh Josh Butler was huge for them. I, I don't know how many he hit out of the park, but he, uh, he whacked 71 off just 38 deliveries, I think it was. But our batting just, again, really, really has let us down. And uh, there's questions being asked of the selectors, um, notably Justin Langer, why Mitch Marsh was was dropped uh, for the inclusion of Agar. But um, four of our top five batsmen uh, together scored eight runs, just eight runs. David Warner failed again, just one. Glenn Maxwell, one. Steve Smith, six. Marcus Stoinis, a duck. Um, thankfully, Aaron Finch got some runs, but it wasn't a, um, a quick run rate from him. But um, it's a real wake-up call for us and just shows how, how far behind at the moment we, we are. Mind you, England, they are number one in the world. We can chat some footy, of course. Uh, just one sleep until open season on the NRL player market. Loads of deals about to happen for those players off contract at the end of next year. Um, I'll be chatting to a good mate of mine too a bit later on who just so happens to be one of the most experienced and well-respected recruiters in the business. Peter Mulholland. Uh, he's been on the show before a few times this year. Uh, always good to get his view on things. He was actually uh, my reserve grade coach was Peter Mulholland or Skull as they call him. Uh, at the Magpies way back when, and then we headed to Perth together. He was the inaugural coach of the now-defunct Western Reds, so we might talk a bit of expansion too. Um, we know the Dolphins are in. Um, what about the Bears? I see they want to follow suit. So where should the 18th team come from? Uh, I know we spoke about this during the week on my Higher Ground show. Well, I'm asking you again. The 18th NRL team, where should it be based? Where should it come from? Or are you a fan of this idea about the uh, the North Sydney Bears, the Nomadic Bears? They'll be playing games uh, in many regional areas and possibly even Perth. You think that might work? 
uh, let me know. Uh, you can jump on that that open line or the text line. We can talk anything else in the world of rugby league as well. Big day of racing, wasn't it, yesterday in both Sydney and Melbourne? Four Group 1s at Flemington and uh, more than $10 million in prize money at Rose Hill. Um, we'll talk through all the uh, the feature races there, including that $7.5 million Golden Eagle for four-year-olds. We'll look back at those races um, and look ahead, too, to the Melbourne Cup. The field is set. The barriers are set. Um, now, to pick a winner, we'll see if we can help narrow down the chances uh, for the race that stops the nation on Tuesday. And here's a couple of trivia questions for you. Okay, listen up. This is what you can text in or ring in. How many horses, since its inception, how many horses have won multiple Melbourne Cups? Okay, that's question one. And question two... Okay, how many horses have done the Caulfield Cup Melbourne Cup double, which, of course, Incentivise is hoping to do? So how many multiple Melbourne Cup winners have there been, part A? And part B, how many have done the Caulfield Cup Melbourne Cup double? All right, there's your, there's your question. So, um, yeah, go on, out you get the Google. Uh, we'll talk a bit of boxing too. Some big fights around the corner and none bigger really from an Aussie perspective than that between ferocious George Cambosis Jr. and the American superstar Teofimo Lopez. Our unbeaten Aussie finally gets a crack at the lightweight world title in New York on November 27th. I'll chat a bit later to another proud Aussie and former world champion, Billy the Kid Dib, uh, to run us through the latest in the fight game. Uh, and I see that Paul Gallen and Josh Aloye have finally come to an agreement over their fight, which is scheduled, I believe, for December 10 this year. Been plenty of trash, trash talk between these two. Uh, last night, uh, they nutted out a deal and agreed to the number of rounds and the duration of rounds. So eight rounds it'll be by two minutes, I think. I'll play you a bit of uh, what went down last night uh, when the two negotiated the new deal. It was streamed um, by the promoters No Limit. Uh, It did get a bit heated. Uh, We'll actually chat to George Rose from No Limit Promotions and get the lowdown. Um, I know there are quite a few uh, Manly fans a little uneasy about one of their current players who missed a chunk of footy, didn't he, this year with, I think it was a hand or a wrist injury, a lawyer being allowed to have the fight. You might have some thoughts on that as well. And Georgie Rose, of course, they look after Tim Zoo. So he's got another big fight coming up um, soon. We'll talk to George about that. So plenty of boxing. Uh, it's a big lineup on the show. Uh, so on top of Billy Dibb and George Rose and Peter Mulholland, we'll have AAP Journo, um, who's across all sports, Scotty Bailey. Uh, he'll jump on the line very shortly. In fact, uh, mostly we're talking about, um, well, our greatest loves footy and cricket, but I think most of us will sink our teeth into footy uh, with Scotty Bailey. Likewise, Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10. Always nice talking to her. And I'm hoping uh, we'll have plenty uh, of you guys join the conversation as well. Still keen to get your thoughts too on the whole vax or no vax issue. To be honest, I still haven't quite got my head around uh, what the NRL is doing here, or more correctly, why. I mean, why is the governing body leaving it to each club Uh, really, to do its own thing. I think it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, The sceptic in me um, says it's because the NRL wants to stay well clear of any potential legal battles that will likely come when clubs maybe tear up contracts of those who refuse to vax and can no longer, therefore, honour their employment contract. 
Or it might be that clubs might also find themselves uh, in drawn-out legal battles if and when they start trying to reduce the amounts payable to players who, let's say, can only play, I don't know, X number of games because they can't travel, because they're not vaxxed or whatever it might be. It would surely have been so much easier, I would have thought, wouldn't it, if the NRL, like the AFL, uh, enforced a blanket rule, no jab, no play. Simple as that. We know the rules, play by them. Um, look, I'm not an expert on any of this, so if I am missing something or my my logic is in some way flawed, please do feel free to pick up the phone and have your say and set me straight. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 that is the open line number, or you can uh, send me through a text, 0457 736 736. This is Sports Central with me, Chris Warren, and him, Cowboy Dan. Yes, indeed. Good afternoon, and uh, we're here for four hours. So as I was just saying there, um, uh, well... I'd love you guys to get involved. Uh, pick up the phone, give us a call, uh, drop us a text. Uh, can be about anything in the world of sport. It might be about Halloween and happy Halloween to you. Not much happiness about it, but why is Halloween such a big thing these days? I really, It certainly wasn't when I was a little one, but it's circled on the calendar. My kids have been looking forward to it for weeks now. Got their outfits, or the youngest one has. And, and what also happens on Halloween, I don't know if this happens in your neighbourhood too, but my stock of pillowcases generally goes down. Why? Because the kids, they each take a pillowcase and they fill them up full of uh, lollies, mm. bad stuff. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, they are just going to consume that much rotten junk food today. Uh, it can't be good for them. Cannot be good for them. So uh, they're out and about. If you've got kids, you'll understand what I'm saying. But it's such a big thing, Halloween. Cowboy Dan, uh, happy Halloween. Welcome happy to Sports Central. Hello, Chris. Do, we, my, do we have to talk? We don't just have to talk sport, do we? No. We can... I mean, the topic or well, the title of the show is Sports Central. But that's okay. Well, yeah, but today, I mean, I mean how, why, why has Halloween become so big? I've never really got into Halloween, Chris. I spent two years in the UK. Halloween was very big Very big there. over there, yeah. yeah. I, you, I get that. You going trick-or-treating tonight with your kids? No, oh no. Oh. I, I normally put all the ghoulie stuff up and the cobwebs and the spiders and the blood mm. on the front door Gee, when I'm there. Appealing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that well, just every day? Blood. I don't yeah. put blood. I put just sort of lipstick. Mm. Or something. Lipstick. Yeah, yeah. Blood coloured lipstick or something ghouly, well, you know? Why do you have lipstick at home? It looks like blood, you oh, know? Okay. And, and I write, um, don't enter, you know? Yep. Um, kill you, all sorts of yes. things. And we've got a thing we put on the front door where you push the button and it's quite scary. Well, of course, this year you have to be COVID safe doing the Halloween thing. Oh, yeah. Well. You try yes. and tell a seven year old or an eight year old to be COVID safe. Well, when did you, you not see during the week New South Wales Health? I'll try and find it. Put out a tweet saying how you can be COVID safe this Halloween. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Well, oh, what? So mask on mask? Well, no, but individually wrap all the lollies so don't just hand it, and of course stand oh, one point yeah. five meters away. Yeah, Maybe throw okay, them. yeah, and you, and you tell your kids to just be polite, right, yeah. and just take one lolly. Don't yes, be greedy. Correct. But I was asking myself, what is Halloween? You know, Siri, what is Halloween exactly? Because you know, do we all know the origins of of Halloween? No, she didn't get that. Um, it's not American. I know that. No, Siri's not even working. Oh, no. What is Halloween? I think you have got to go. Got the new phone, see? I think you have to go, hey, Siri, first. No, you don't. Don't you? I'm sure you don't. Okay. Well, she's taking the time anyway. 
Um, I'm just going to text from uh, Jason Deeth. You remember Jason yes, Deeth? Yes, good Yeah. I pulled out an old program at the weekend. I don't mm. know where I found it from. It was back from 1988. Really? It's a long time ago. Well, no, my, my, my dad gave me a manila folder during the week. I went took the kids mm. over there for dinner and, and had some all old artifacts of yes. me from school reports. Mm. And um, I was quite good at school. Were you? Looking back at the year six reports. And there was a That's program awesome. from the Australian Championships in there. Yep. Um, from 1988, played mm. down in, in Canberra, mm. Seaford Oval. Yep. So I was playing for New South Wales Catholics. Yes. Yep. Uh, Jason Deeth, who went on to play a couple of hundred NRL games, and he is now a good mate of mine. Our kids mm. playing the same footy team together. Very good player. Uh, he was in the program. I didn't know. He was in the program as well. Very, very um, good player. For New South Wales Combined High Schools, I think it was. You should not use communal lolly bowls as well tonight if you're going trick-or-treating. Individual. Don't use what? Communal. Lolly bowls. So you know how you just put your hand in Well, a yeah. Well, everyone's going to do that. It's going to be a little bucket, the Halloween orange oh, bucket. It's not COVID safe. Well, it's going to happen. Mm. And, it's, and it's happening right now. Is it? Absolutely. My daughter said she's going to start at two o'clock. We should just get her on early. at like three o'clock, see how she's going. Yeah, okay. We, we, maybe we can try <laughs> That'd be that. Good, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I still, Siri still hasn't got back to me. So no, basically, it's just remembering the dead, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, all Hallows Day, all, all Saints Day. Isn't it a Canadian thing? Don't I know. could be wrong. Well, you Google it. You're, Google the, produ- it. Okay. You're the producer of okay. the bloody show. Well, I tell you, you what yes. is scary. Yes. Um, is the way we were thumped last night in the cricket. Yeah, not good. Oh, and okay, hands up, hands up. Be honest with me. Honest with me, please. And we don't, we've got the live studio audience up there today or not? Uh, they're just entering as we are speak. They? Yep, yep. Very quiet. Yep. You mustn't, oh, it's a Sunday, so yeah. Hutchie hasn't given them a drink, don't no, you? No, When no. they take their seats, we might, uh, we might chat to a couple of those yep. as well. But yep. you at home listening in now, be honest with me, please, right? Yep. And I'm watching you, and I can tell if you're lying because I'm looking straight <laughs> in your eyes, yep. right? Yep. And I'm looking at you too, Cowboy Dad. Yes, I know. I Did know. you watch the cricket last night, which started at 1 a.m.? Now, you want, Anyone? The, you want the honest answer? Anyone? Well, I'm looking at your eyes. No. I, was I know asleep. you do. Well done. Correct. Yeah, I was You're telling asleep. the truth. I watched the highlights this morning. Yes. Yep. So did anyone else out there? What? What? None of you? No. Well, it's a bit bloody hard, isn't it? At 1 a.m. Is that for the schedulers? Yeah. Is that to the world? Go easy. I mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't 1 a.m. over there in the UAE. It was prime time. Yeah. So nice they, can't, they can't just... Work around our clock. Mm. No, they can't. But it is difficult for us to follow it, isn't it? It's very hard. But there would have been, it was Saturday night, though. A lot of people don't have work today. Might have been up watching it. We have work. That Well, that's why we couldn't watch it. But just abysmal. Yep. Just I abysmal. Know. I said there just when I was leading into the show. So mm. four of our top five batsmen yes. amassed eight runs between them. Yeah, not good. Very no. bad. Awful. In anyone's language. Yeah. Awful. I agree. Awful. Awful. What is awful? Awful's, awful's a food, it's isn't like, it? Yeah. No, awful. You know what awful is. No. Yeah, but it's like liver and yeah, kidneys. You can and... eat it. I wouldn't <sighs> eat it, but you could eat it. God, silence of the lamb stuff. Awful. No, go, go to some <laughs> other countries that be eating it. Scotland. Oh, oh no, no they do. Yeah. No, no. I, I know a lot of my, a lot of my I know good friends that mm. like awful. I, I'm sure I you do. I hate it. I've never tried it. We're talking about awful. Yes. Linking from Australia's awful performance, we're now talking about awful on Halloween. Correct. Ugh. Yeah. Gooly. Not good. Not good I'm at all. Still trying to find out where Halloween came from, by the well, way. Well, just Google. Ask Siri. No, no ask there's a lot me. of articles. No, okay. Siri, what is Halloween? Okay. It'll come up now. Halloween, thank you. Or Halloween, also known as 
All Halloween or All Hallows Eve, All Saints Eve is a celebration observed in many countries on 31st of October, the eve of the Western Christian Feast of All Hallows Day. Oh, it's all a bit technical. Ireland? Uh, it begins with the observance of um, All Hallowtide, uh, the time in the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead. Liturgical, big word, isn't it? Yeah. Including saints, martyrs and all the departed. All right. So, yeah, it's a bit mm. scary, isn't it? But Very. So I don't know why we give out treats and no. fill our kids full of sugar. Correct. I don't know. What are some of the scary movies over the years too? What are some of the scariest movies? And I'm talking to you guys at home here, all right, if you're in the car or wherever, mm. 0457 736 736, your all-time scariest movie, right? One that really scared you. Come on. And Halloween was good too. Halloween 1 and 2, I think. One was better than two. Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, might have been in that. I could be wrong there. I, I, I was about to admit something, but I don't think I should admit it, Chris. Daniel from Prairie Woods dropped us a text. Yes, I'll get I to that in a moment. No, go for it. What, what's your problem? <laughs> Do you ever watch Twilight? No. Okay. I don't think I have. No, it's not very good. Was but, that on a DVD series? Was that like a quite a – it's about – 10 years old? What was that uh, one? It would have been about of? 10 or so years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think I did watch it. was a franchise. Uh, vampires, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watched oh, the first one. What was the star's name? It was a really good sort Robert of... Robert Pattinson, I think. Is not it? him, the no? girl. Uh, it was a really attractive girl, and I thought... I'll find out. That's why I was sort of watching it. it anyway, I, I watched not, it... No, that, that sounded... Yeah. That came out I, the wrong way. I, I watched it with my uh, ex-girlfriend over in the UK, and it was a dark and cold night. Kirsten Stewart, I think, you're talking about. Is she nice? I'm sure she's a lovely she's... person. And, you know, I was watching Twilight anyway, I liked her, yeah. in the UK, and it was a dark and cold night. Yeah, and coffee. Okay, no worries. And I got a lift home. Um, I lived about 10 minutes away from her. Yeah. And I was a bit scared after watching Twilight. Oh, yeah. J- no. just, just for a second, just for a second. Yeah, but it was more of a rom-com vampire yeah. type thing, yeah. wasn't it? It was rubbish. No, but, like, scariest movies, i tell you some, right? And you may not have watched them. Mm. All right, so uh, Prom Night. Nope. And guys my age and girls will probably remember these more than you because mm. I'm a bit older than you. Mm. Prom Night, Halloween, The Shining. I've heard of Jack it. Jack Nicholson. Not it. No. Red Rum. Red Rum. No? You nope. haven't seen it? Oh, no. come on. Um, here's one that you probably, not many of our listeners really even. It was called The Fog. Nope. It was really scary. Oh, Salem's Lot. Nope. Oh. No. Nope. Tell you what. The only Salem I know is in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right, that's not Different. quite a scary yep. movie that no. I'm, I'm thinking no. about. No. Anyway, uh, shoot mm. those texts in. We can talk sport too. Sorry if I digress there with <laughs> Halloween. Um, I just wanted to explain the meaning of it. Um, and for those that have kids, it takes on a whole new meaning. Um, yeah. And you're talking movies to me. I have told you in the past, I haven't been in a movie cinema since 2010 when I saw Nomeo and Juliet. God, we, we, we're very different, you and me. We are, Very yes. different. Also, I was going to ask you too, I see in the paper today, Adam Elliott, who signed with Canberra, uh, got axed, didn't he, from Canterbury. And obviously one of the, uh, one of the um, off-field incidents he was involved in was the, um, the tryst, if you'd like. I like the word tryst. Do you? Yes, good the, word. It's a love tryst. And it's got a Y in it, hasn't it? It does. Tryst, T-R-Y-S, uh, yes. with Millie Boyle. Mm. Um, they were caught, weren't they, in a Brisbane or Gold, Gold Coast, Coast yeah. uh, bathroom? Yeah. A couple of months ago? Uh, yeah, a couple of months ago, back in August or when it was. So they're a couple now, which is great. Fantastic. I saw that last night. She, they look, look, he's, he, I've spoken to Adam a few times. He's a good bloke, right? He's just mm. had, he's had his problems. Mm. He's very, he speaks he very who has well. Not, he who has not sinned, throw the first stone. No one picking no. up stones in this studio. No.
And Millie seems like a really nice girl too, and they know each other. For, they've known each other for ages, right? So he's going to be living down in Canberra now. Obviously, if you're playing for the Raiders, you've got to live in Canberra. Well, correct. That would be helpful. Generally helps. Yep. And Millie lives up uh, in Queensland, I think, Brisbane. So it's going to be a long-distance relationship. It, it, of yes, yes, it will be. So we can talk about that too. Have mm. you ever had a long-distance relationship, and how on earth does it work? And mm. you have because you were seeing someone in England for about nine months. Yeah, yeah. It was, I bet oh, you were oh, heavy yes. reliant on what was it, FaceTime or Zoom nah, or something. Long time yeah, ago. this is sports set. When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash It got on in a flash He did the mash He did the monster mash From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom Vampire's feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. Yeah, well, that's not very scary. I, I said, can you please find me some scary music because it's Halloween. You've come up with that rubbish. I'll find some for you. I found. Well, I already <laughs> have found some, actually. Do you know that was banned? Was it? This is a bit more scary. This is Halloween, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Was it Jamie Lee Curtis? I think it was. Well, this one says John Carpenter. Yeah. Could I think she was in it. Yeah. Could be wrong. Oh, the, the theme was probably John Carpenter, but she was probably yes. in the movie. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want you to find Norman Bates too. I'll you know the shower it. scene? Yeah, I'll find it. Yeah. yeah. I'll get it for you. All right, because I, I want this. I want this afternoon to be scary. I know you do. I mean, that I monster mash—that's not what we're, it's not in the theme of things. I know, but still, it was banned. It was banned on BBC yeah. for some reason. Yeah, it was. Uh, for, I don't know why? For being too morbid, I think. God, I know. Get a life. Go done. You like what I'm there? See, if I was panelling, I'd I would have had to laugh. Yeah, then. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, never mind. I, I wasn't uh, yeah. um, now, uh, keep those texts coming into oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. The tool man's on the line. He says, uh, "G'day, wah." Uh, one word explains Australia's performance in the cricket last night. He's got these funny little um, emojis that look very much like sort of dog poo. And there's yes. three of them. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the yeah. there's emojis for that. Yeah. Yes, well yes. that's what he's saying. Yeah, I guess. He wasn't right? impressed, clearly. Shh. No good. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Correct. Okay, Correct. not not shush. Uh yes, 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 yes. Uh Daniel from Prairie Wood. Now you, you got a text there about expansion. I might save that for a bit later on, Daniel, and, and we'll we'll sink our teeth into into that discussion too. Uh Peter Mulholland will be on the line on the show a bit later on. We'll talk to him maybe about this you know, North Sydney Bears idea. Uh some other texts have been coming through uh throughout the early hours of the morning. Andrew sends in uh, Australia should have stuck with a winning team. Massive blunder at the selection table. Stinks of panic. Yeah, uh, Andrew, thank you for that. Well, in hindsight, uh, you're right. And I, I see that Shane Warne has also been highly critical of the selectors, uh, dropping Mitchell Marsh. He's been you know, one of our form players in this in this format, hasn't he? Um, and yeah, But it just goes to show our, our top order is looking flimsy at best. And you drop, you drop Marsh down. So, I don't know. And Ashton Agar played. I mm. guess he must have been squeezed in. But mm. 125 is all we got. 
off 20 overs as well. It's not like we were, well, we were all out, but probably off the last ball. Or something. Yeah, something like that. Not so, good. and as I say, so David Warner got uh, one run. I haven't got in front of me now. I think Maxwell got one. Steve Smith chimed in with a handy six. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus Stoinis <laughs> batting at five, I think. Uh, yeah, he would have been. He, uh, Duck. Mm. So, you know, and, and Aaron Finch, he scored 40 odd, but it was, you know, only a run of ball. Back to reality after our first two wins as well. Absolutely. And Josh, but- Josh Butler, he just went boom, boom, boom. Smashed us in all parts. Mm. So um, that pretty much secures them a place into the knockout rounds, England. I would have thought as good as. And um, we're two from three. Um, Football-wise as well, around the grounds, two scores overnight. I believe these were all played last night or, or early this yep. morning. Yep. Arsenal 2 defeated Leicester City. Nil Watford lost 1-0 at home to Southampton. Liverpool-Brighton played out a 2 all draw. Chelsea defeated Newcastle 3-0. Crystal Palace 2, Man City 0. Yeah. Um, and Man City with a player sent off as well. Well, that explains the, it. Yes. Burnley 3, Brentford 1. And Manchester United, I mean, that's the game of the round or the story overnight, really, bouncing back after their 5-0 a thumping uh, to Liverpool uh, last week. So that eases a little bit of pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the coach, and Cristiano Ronaldo was very, very good in that one. Um, I don't know because I didn't watch it, but I'm assuming he scored a goal, at least was involved, I think, in all three. Bruno Fernandes looking for Ronaldo! It's a goal. Well, on a day when United need a big result, one of the big hitters delivers... Manchester United with their noses in front. There it is, 3-0. And, you know, he was lucky to see out the week Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, according to some reports, but he was there and that, uh, well, that gives him his job for at least another week. But, you know, you never know what is uh, around the corner in the fickle business of coaching, particularly uh, in the English Premier League. So still some games uh, to come. In the morning, 1am, Norwich and Leeds, Aston Villa at home to West Ham. That's at 3.30am tomorrow. And Wolves play Everton, uh, 7am tomorrow. So uh, there are those results for you. Racing-wise, Hitotsu won the Victorian Derby. uh, But the one that helped me out the most yesterday uh, was the Golden Eagle. And boy, oh boy, what a ride and what a finish. The last 100 metres, I think even um, the final furlong, I think Golden in the Golden Eagle on Thunderstruck was still about four lengths or maybe even five lengths off the leader. And Hugh Bowman, magic ride to get the favourite home. It's Count de Ruby getting a half length on Apache chase. Then I'm Thunderstruck digging in now. Count de Ruby, I'm Thunderstruck went boom over the top. And thankfully so. Uh, let me say thankfully so. I only had uh, two uh, wages yesterday because, as I've mm. told you many times, I don't have many fun tokens No, these days. No, that's unfortunate. I know, I know. But uh, anyway, yeah. look, uh, anyway, it got me home. Gamble responsibly. I, I did. Yeah, well, you clearly I did. Yeah. And I've got a little bit in the kitty and uh, it's on my mate's phone because I haven't got a betting account. So it's in oh. his kitty. 
Okay. And we'll play with that on Tuesday yes. when the race stops the nation. And we'll talk more about that uh, throughout the next couple of hours. This is Sports Central. Yes, it is 25 minutes to 1 o'clock. Chris Warren with you, and uh, I'll be here until 4 o'clock. So uh, keeping you company, and hopefully you can keep us company as well. If you want to have a chat, you can. The number to call is 1300 01 1170, and there is space on the open line now. It can be about anything generally sports-related, but doesn't have to be. Uh, Cowboy Dan's over there. He's an expert in relationships and long-term oh, totally. yes. long-term relationships. He went out with a, a lady for about nine months. She was in England. He was here in Sydney or Melbourne. I mean, how does that possibly work? Why we talk about long-term relationships at long distance is because uh, Millie Boyle and Adam Elliott um, are in a relationship. Yeah, and can, she lives in Queensland and he now lives in Canberra. Can I just quickly defend myself a bit? I have now been in a relationship for about six years with my current partner. Seven oh, sure. years almost. Oh, well, I don't, because she often listens to this program. I hope she wasn't thinking you're having extramarital no, long no. distance. I don't think she's listening. Trysts. Anyway, no, no, I don't think she would think that. Well, she wouldn't be listening anyway, would she? No, she's. So, even, she's so if you were. Yeah. Which you wouldn't. But if you were, it wouldn't matter if we did talk about because she's yeah. not listening. And I probably wouldn't admit it on... And what they don't know won't hurt them. <laughs> I suppose that's, that's <laughs> Just, a good point. Yes. I'll take that yes. back. I'll take yes. that back. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know what she's doing, but I sorry, doubt she's listening. why am I single? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Scott, now, yes. yeah, we're going to talk to Scotty Bailey uh, about lots of stuff. Uh, we won't talk relationships with Scotty, uh, but you can get on the text line as well. I was asking the question too, Melbourne Cup, two days away or on Tuesday. So um, how many horses have done the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup double? That's part A of the question. Part B of the question, how many multiple winners? How many horses have won the Melbourne Cup more than once, okay? They're our, that's our quiz question. So drop me a text and then the first correct answer via text, you get nothing. <laughs> you get a round no. of applause. You get a round, yes. you will? Yes. Are they in, they're, they're settled into their seats. Yeah. How are you doing up the back there? Yeah. Are they up? That's what they're doing. Okay, but you're not happy that Hutchie hasn't provided any no drinks today. I'm sorry. It's Halloween, no drinks provided. Oh. <laughs> it's not my fault. God, it's the Sabbath, the Sabbath, okay? Just sit back and relax. Have, um, have a glass of water. Right, now, Scotty Bailey is on the line, and Scotty um, joins us quite often, most on a Sunday. How are you, Scotty? Happy Halloween to you, mate. Likewise, mate. Going well, Chris, yourself? I'm good. I'm good. You've got... Um, you got two little ones or one little one? Just the one little one, yeah. So age uh, two. So she yeah. isn't across the Halloween thing yet, but she did get some lollies when we went out yesterday, and she was pretty happy with herself. So oh, well. I guess she kind of likes it. Yeah, no, that'll keep her happy. That'll keep her, keep her busy for a while. I'll feel her full of sugar <laughs> at the age of two. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk some some rugby league, and uh, we're only twenty four hours or less away um, from, I guess you could call it open season, and. A number of big-name players who are contracted next year but come off contract at the end of next season, they are free to wheel and deal. And when I say some big-name players, I'm, I'm talking about the likes of Joey Manu, uh, Viliami Kikau, uh, Murata Nakore, Clint Gutherson, Christian Welch, Reed Marnie, Brandon Smith and more. Yeah, it's a fair list there. It's a fair list there. I think about 140 players in total, top, uh, top of my head, that become free agents tomorrow. So, yeah, effectively can be approached for 2023. Obviously, the banner in the works this year that we haven't seen in previous years is a new club in, in the Dolphins can, you know, effectively tomorrow is day one for them. So, yeah, you know, there is an extra 30 spots on rosters uh, for 2023 season. It no doubt will create more uh, more movement. 
more transfers. Joe Manu is probably the m- most interesting one for me, just in terms of if I look at the availabilities, the centre position, there's, there's not many you know decent or big name centres there. Joey Manu kind of stands out, so he can mm. command a bit of cash. But at the same time, he you know there's a real suggestion that he wants to play fullback eventually. So how he uh, treats the next well that little negotiation period and sort of how he tries to sell him sell himself to clubs will be really interesting. Mm. Uh, Brandon Smith's another one. Uh, he's obviously behind uh, Harry Grant at the Storm. I mean, they pack a wonderful one-two punch and it works wonderful for, for the Storm, but yeah. uh, his manager telling my colleague George uh, George Clark yesterday, in fact, that they will definitely uh, test the open market and see what they can get and make a decision from there. So, yeah, mm. there's a lot of interesting ones there. Well, his manager, Brandon Smith, through the week, he's basically... Um, contacted all clubs saying, throw us your best shot, throw your best offer at yeah. us and we'll go from there. So it's anything but um, a done deal that he will stay at Melbourne Storm. And, you know, this talk, this chatter has been going on for a while with uh, Brandon mm. Smith. He was linked to the Titans, wasn't he? He was linked to Canterbury. Um, and and he, I, he I've, said, I've said for a while that I just cannot see um, a club having the luxury of two world-class hookers in their squad and, and taking up such such space in the cap. Especially when you consider that there are clubs that, you know, desperately need a hooker. So obviously, I mean, the Dolphins are a given. They, they need a hooker. They don't yeah. have one. They don't have anyone at the moment. Uh, the Titans, you know, definitely need a hooker. The Dogs definitely need a hooker. Uh, Manly, you could make a case. I mean, Lachlan mm. Croker was very impressive this year, but, but and I don't think they've got the money in the cap to go after Brandon Smith. But the point is, there are a number of clubs that just don't have a hooker. So, that obviously again makes Brandon Smith's asking price go up, and then you're right. There's you know no real way that Melbourne can mm. match what he's going to get elsewhere. So and another uh, hooker, yeah. another hooker in that same boat is Zappi Coruscant, I think. Yeah, and I'd be to be really honest, I'd be surprised if Penrith uh, do keep him beyond this season, just because I mean he's a wonderful player for Penrith and he's very important mm. to their attack. But um, just the way that they have to manage their roster and make sure they've got the space for the, that, you know, these younger guys who are definitely going to get contract upgrades and you know, that next generation of kids coming through as well because they've got just got so much talent at the foot of the mountains. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Api Coruscant is one of the uh, men to go. Viliami Kikau is probably a challenge to keep as well, but I would, I would probably mm. think they definitely can't get both of them. And I almost suggest that Coruscant could be the man that they're prepared to let go before Kikau. Gee, there's, uh, I just think there's plenty of hookers about, isn't it? It's reminding me up near that big Coca-Cola sign. You've got Reed Marnie as, <laughs> you've got Reed Marnie as well, um, uh, Josh Hodgson as as well. It it really is, um, well, I say a hookers market, but it, I don't know if that drives their own prices up or not. Yeah, like I say, it's, it's an interesting one because of there's still clubs that desperately need one, and then you know, if for argument's sake. Uh, Parramatta were to lose Reed Marnie, mm. then they would need a hooker to come in. Uh, Josh Hodgson's a bit of a different case. It's kind of all going to be quiet on the front there at the West Tigers and what's going to happen uh, for 2022. Mm. But, uh, you know, and, and to some extent, that's probably down to the Tom Starling situation yes. and just his behavioural issues. But then again, from tomorrow, you know, it's open season on the Tigers talking to Josh Hodgson. I mean, the, the Raiders had already sort of paved the way for those conversations to happen. So it wasn't like that was an illegal dealing before, but they can probably ramp up a little bit more now. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot doing with the hookers. And yeah, Reed Marnie, I, I don't see Parramatta letting him go just because they don't really have another option at dummy half. 
Um, mm. But they're, you know, they're a really interesting case because they've just got so many players coming off contract. I think it's 16 that come off contract at the end of 2022. Including, yeah, including their captain, Clint Gutherson. What, what, what do you think will happen with Viliami Kikau? Do you think he's going to stay at the foot of the mountains long term? I think Penrith would definitely like to keep him. He's an X-factor. Um, and they're probably a bit more bullish about it than has been suggested, I, w- I would think. Mm. Uh, but he's, yeah, again, a guy that uh, can command big money because he's just something different. There's not many players like Viliami Kikau in the competition. So... Mm how hard they fight to keep him is probably a, a different story. I mean, it, it, look, I think there's no doubt he will command seven, seven fifty, eight hundred, maybe even, um, probably, probably seven fifty next uh, for 2023. So then whether he, whether Penrith can offer that much and whether he would take slightly less to stay at Penrith, to, you know, another discussion, but mm. I, I think Penrith will fight hard to keep him, but whether they're able to is a different story. I'm reading in the tel- Telegraph today, um, David Riccio and Brent Reed and Michael Carianis, a collective article, if you like. They all um, they all pool their thoughts. And there's a point in here, read the hookers too, that uh, West Tigers hooker Jacob Little, he, he may well be headed to Canberra in a swap for um, Raiders dummy half Josh Hodgson. So I have to, I guess, keep a, a bit of a... A watch on mm. that. I, I read an, another interesting article yesterday, and uh, Peter Mulholland was interviewed, um, and it was along the lines of what what clubs do when they're building a roster. And and Pete's probably the most experienced current recruiter in the game. He's been around the game for for decades, and he said, you know, you, you've got to get a couple of cornerstones when you when you build that brick wall. Your cornerstone's got to be a really strong brick and the foundation, and and you look for qualities in a player and and a person, not just a player. So. I'm looking at the likes of Christian Welch too. He's a Melbourne Storm prop. He's a Queenslander. He's off contract next year. I reckon he could well be a prime target for the Dolphins. He would be the first person I'm calling on Monday on Monday morning if I'm the Dolphins, to, to be brutally honest. I think he's the perfect player to build a franchise around. He is uh, of excellent character, excellent moral. He's a very, you know, he's a very smart person. He's a popular player. Uh, fans like him. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a hard worker. And, and the way that he, uh, you know, sets Melbourne's line speed and all those kind of things is just so underrated. So, yeah, personally, if I'm the Dolphins, I mean, obviously, you know, halves and fullbacks are, uh, you know, what command the big cash in today's market. And uh, mm. they're the ones that, you know, win your premierships. But I, I do think that Christian Welch would be, yeah, probably the first phone call about. Like I say, he's also a you know, Queensland guy. Um, he spent a bit of time living on the Sunshine Coast before, or at least... Mm. Uh, played Queensland Cup there in the Melbourne feeder system. So uh, it does make a lot of sense, I think, for well, Christian Mulch to be that man. Yeah, well, as I said, I'm talking to Peter Mulholland um, in about half an hour, I think. So I'll ask him about um, mm. his thoughts on that. But also, on the, he's with Canberra now. So I'll try and get something out of him, Marie Tom Starling. He mightn't let anything slip on that because that he might be a bit of a piece in the the hookers and, and where they might mm. go with Hodgson. Um, mate, where are you on this, this Vax or no Vax? I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you. I'm scratching my head a little bit. I I don't quite understand why the ARL did not mandate vaccination for all clubs. I, I, I'm th- They've basically left it to each club, as I understand it, to, to run their own race. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, their position sort of is that, yes, the AFL have mandated, but that was something they were essentially forced into by the Victorian government. And that pressure hasn't yet been applied from the New South Wales government. Look, I, I think 
the NRL's position the whole way or the RL Commission's position the whole way has been to let the government make these decisions and that way it's not on them. Um, And and the pressure is going to come because, you know, we saw some of the guidelines during the week just in terms of players not being able to return to training for December 1. Mm. Um, You know, I think the NRL also believe that a lot of players will make the decision themselves when they realise they just don't have the same freedoms as their teammates. Uh, and they don't yeah, want to be perceived I mean, as the um, you know the big brother with the big cane. Yeah, um, and I, I was talking to other some other sporting administrations in other sports um, this week, and they were sort of of the opinion that what the NRL had done was the right thing. So yeah. I, I personally, I would have I would have liked to see them just mandate it um, in the same way the AFL has done. But the you know the common voice out there from experienced sporting administrators is what the NRL has done is right because you just can't mm. they don't believe you can tell these players what to do so yeah my personal belief is probably very different to what um, mm. a lot of other sporting administrators say well if you can't honor your contract I mean you said you would sign up to play every 24 games or whatever that you're fit mm. to play and uh, let's say Nelson Asa for Solomona um, your place of employment Nelson is at Amy Park but um, because you're not vaxxed you can't come to Amy Park so therefore you're breaching your employment contract uh, let's let's put a little prick in your arm twice and, and Nelson is, yeah Nelson Asa for Solomona is probably a different example to because it's the Victorian yeah, the government majority of players yeah yeah so you know it's and that's probably like that's part of the reason why the NRL haven't mandated it, I think, because mm. they're, they're sort of just going to... Their view is they can just let the government dictate this. And, in, you know, what, what happens with Nelson is different to what happens with, you know, a player in, in New South Wales, mm. mostly New South Wales or Queensland. But you're right, is that fair? Probably not. And mm. should we just have a blanket approach? I think so. But, yeah, there are definitely plenty of schools of thought out there from other sports that the NRL's going to be out the mm. right way. And the Players Association are heavily involved. We're going to be reading more about this over the coming week or two. And very quickly, mate, Henry Perinara, we know he stood down from refereeing this year due to health problems, but he's now walked away from, from the game or officiating in any yeah, capacity. Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, yeah. So obviously he, he went into the bunker after he stood down from uh, on-field officiating, I think it was in April or May from memory, uh, due to some health issues. Um, his last game in the bunker, one I'm sure we all remember, was the Joey Manu hit on, oh, sorry, the Latrell Mitchell hit on Joey Manu that uh, attracted plenty of criticism. The NRL stood him down that day or the next morning, as we all remember. Uh, and then since then, Henry uh, decided this week that he was finished with rugby league uh, and he was moving into a career with mortgage broking. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, those two incidents are leaked, but obviously it's been a pretty rough 12 months for Henry Perinara. Uh, health issues into, um, into you know, some pretty scathing criticism from some in the game yeah. uh, after that game and some other games as well. So he's decided that, you know, he, he's more excited about mortgage broking now. He says he's mm. he's nervous. He gets the same nerves going into this job as he used to get running onto the field. So therefore it's the right decision. All right. Well, Scotty's jumped off there and dropped out. We'll take a break, but uh, thank you to Scotty Bailey. This is Sports Central. Is the text line. Yes, this is Sports Central. It is a sports show, but uh, we're happy to fun as well. We can talk about it's anything. very scary. There's no one in this studio telling us what we can and can't talk about. No. No, just us. We can tell each other what we can and can't talk about. 
Yeah. Yeah. In ad breaks. Yes, but there's no one else here. I can't speak to you in the ad break when my mouth is full of... Um... How's your sandwich? Oh, it's beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get a, make a sandwich <laughs> in four or five minutes. Anyway, uh, 0457 736 736. Uh, we can talk about scary movies. We can talk about whatever you want. We can talk about the Australian cricket team. Uh, or we can talk about silly season coming up in less than 24 hours in the NRL, the player transfer market. Or we can talk about jab or no jab, vax or no vax. Um, let us know your thoughts on that. So the AFL, they have mandated that, um, I guess under instructions from the Victorian government, that all players must be vaccinated. Uh, but the NRL is taking a different approach. The open line, if you want to jump on the phone, is one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. 1170 Evan's on the line. Good afternoon, Evan. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate. Thanks. Uh, thanks for calling. What, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Um, so the AFL and the NRL are sort of different. The AFL clubs all got together and formed the AFL Commission, whereas the NRL is a compromise to the Super League war with all different people involved, you know what I mean? you got the New South Wales Rugby League, the ARL, Fox Sports, it's all... The NRL doesn't isn't oh, the I employer think, think, as such. I the clubs the, are the employer. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, uh, to a point. I think the ARL is very much now has its own independent commission, though. Um, it does for Origin. That's the problem. It's all split up. Where the AFL, the famous Kevin Sheedy's thirteen-hour meeting, where there's no way we're going to give up control, and they did. It was sort of a famous meeting that they had back in the nineties, I think. And then the AFL. So the AFL owns the AFL. All the clubs own the AFL. All the clubs don't own the NRL. That's right. the difference in right. a nutshell. Okay. Okay. Well, you yeah. know what I mean? So uh, now the clubs are the employer. Yes. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So the clubs with the NRL, but I still do believe the NRL or ARL commission certainly does have the power if it wants to. It could mandate that uh, vaccination you know, across the board, but I guess it. it you're saying that it won't have the support of, of all the clubs if it does that. I, I reckon most of the clubs will put their hands up and say, you know what, just go ahead and mandate it and we'll follow we'll follow your lead. At well, the with the NRL, like the, the guy down the, the guy down in Melbourne, Nelson of Solid yeah. whatever his name yeah. is, he's on whatever. If he says, no, I refuse to get vaccinated this week and Melbourne have to tear up his contract, what's to say then he goes to the open market and gets vaccinated, double vaccinated, and then then he's right to sign with anyone else because well, Melbourne's yeah. torn up his contract. Yeah, someone else had that thought the other day when I was speaking to them on, on higher ground. Someone called uh, um, saying the same sort of thing. Well, I think then the NRL would have to step in and say, you, look, you, if you're not getting vaxxed, right, you are not able to sign another contract or play with another club um, under a different set of circumstances. So I think they would have to step in. I don't think it's about that with him. But what, what, what the problem I think is going to happen, there, there could well be um, employment law issues if if a club does tear up a player's contract because he cannot honor his contract well then i think we're going to be opening a bit of a pandora's box too um and it could be a bit of a, a legal minefield i don't know how strong the ground on the which the players stand is you know um it, it's a tricky one and i think that's maybe why the nrl is letting the clubs run their own race and take their own legal action they don't want to get involved in in any of that but the Players Association, I know they are not comfortable with uh, the way things are at the moment. And uh, I think they all need to get their heads around it uh, a bit more. I just wish it, yeah, no jab, no play across the board. But the reason I think they're, they're not doing that, the ARL Commission, and I've said it before, Evan, is I think they're 
I was going to say, I swear then, their concern, they're ash scared. We can, well, it was you, not me. Uh, yeah, I think they, it could be a legal minefield, you know? Um, yeah, I think so too. But I think that, you know, imagine what the lawyers are like that they have. They'd be saying, no, 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 you're just the governing body. You're not mm. the employer. Whereas the AFL, because the AFL is owned by the AFL clubs, mm. different. I, I'm not I'm not certain either, but I think that's mm. got something to do with it. All right, mate. Thanks for your call, Evan. I don't think any of us are certain, and I appreciate uh, you you're making those points as well. And, and Evan is sort of saying there, look, you know, what if a, a Nelson, a Sofa Solomon, or any other player refuses to get vaxxed? Um, so their club, in this case, Melbourne Storm, says, well, Nelson, there's the door. See you later um, because you can't honour your contract. And he goes and signs a deal with another club um, but agrees to get vaxxed. I think, don't think that can happen. The NRL would have to step in and say, no, no, no. If you're not vaxxing there, well, you cannot sign another contract with anyone else um, until you get vaxxed. Yeah, and, and even if you're playing for a Sydney club, like you might, might as it stands, might be able to play in Sydney, but airlines are going to mandate you or have mandated you to have the jab well, that's right. before they, you go well, interstate. Uh, but there, there, might, there might be players that can't that can only play home games, yep. can't fly interstate. Um, and that would, so therefore, the yeah. club would be entitled, I think, to pro-rata their contract. Yep. Right, well, we'll chop that down. Definitely decrease it. You're now it, not on 500, you're on 250. 100%. Your, your choice, yep. this is your choice. Yep. You don't want to take those two jabs, so... Yep. But then I can just see it. I can see lawyers rubbing their hands, you know, and I don't know, I don't really know enough about it to mm. understand mm. what their rights are. I think hopefully once, I think some teams are back at training this week, maybe once uh, the unvaccinated players are basically away from all the other players, maybe it will change their mind. Well, what if what if here, right? Mm. What if here I said to my boss, uh, I can't come in, you guys here made a mandate that yep. uh, only vaccinated people can work here. Yes. Can come yep. into this building. Yep. What if I was anti-vax? Mm. Uh, so I said to my boss and to Hutchie, the head honch, uh, I can't. Um, work for you guys like, yep. because I'm not vaxxed. Well, that's your choice. Yeah, I know, but I need I need to put food on the table. Well, that's true. So but, I, uh, I got vaxxed. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, mm. that's not the main reason people should get it, but it is what's probably going to happen. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. I think we're going to hear, Vossi was saying the other day, I think over the next month we're going to hear probably a lot about it. Mm. Anyway, that's uh, it's yep. boring, isn't it? It's very too serious. Yes. It's very serious. <laughs> Let's lighten things up a bit. Uh, scariest movies. Come on, your scariest movies on Halloween. Uh, Mark is asking me what's the latest on the 22 NRL draw. Mark, I don't know, but I'll get some. Uh, we've got a team of researchers here uh, in the studio. Yeah, big team. Big team of researchers. <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll find the answer for that. Um, and Daniel from Prairie Wood. Um, now, this is more on expansion, rugby league expansion. Uh, you will have heard this week. We might even play that interview a little bit later on. The North Sydney Bears um, chief executive was speaking, I think, to Vossi or Matty White, wasn't uh, it, during the week? Matty White, yeah. Matty White yeah. it was, wasn't it? Uh, on Friday, I think Friday it might morning, have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, about this, if the Bears were to come in and be the 18th the eighteenth NRL team. Mm. Uh, and they've got you know, this nomadic type approach. They will play their games or many of them in regional areas in New South Wales, maybe even some in Perth, et cetera. Um, but still would be known as the North Sydney Bears, but the nomadic bears. Um, do bears sit in the woods? They do, don't they? I think so, yes. Think uh, Daniel from Prairie Wood. Uh, Chris, while I admire uh, the Bears chairman, I think he is, he says chair here, Daniel Dixon's passion about becoming the travelling Wilburys. Um, a regional franchise isn't sustainable. Just look at West Tigers. 
West have become nomads, playing out of uh, four, sometimes five home grounds and neglecting a growth region in the burgeoning MacArthur area. The Bears uh, either explore new opportunities in markets such as Perth or come to the conclusion that their future is as a feeder club at the second tier level, well, which is what they are now. Um, a feeder club. Uh, games in Sydney and regional areas is not true expansion. Uh, Daniel from Prairiewood. Uh, yeah, you make some good points there, Daniel. Um, and thank you for, for getting in touch, mate. Keep those texts coming through. Can be about sport, can be about racing, can be about Melbourne Cup, can be about our woeful performance of our T20 cricketers last night. Warner won, Smith six, Finch got a few runs, Maxwell won. Stoinis Duck, four of the top five batsmen accumulating all of eight runs between them. Uh, we set England a target of 125 mm. and uh, the Poms reeled that target in ever so casually with about 50 balls to spare. So uh, a real wake-up call there. As I've said, they are the number one T20 team in the world and for very good reason. This is Sports Central. It's 10 past one. Yes, it is. It's coming up to quarter past one. Chris Warren with you for the next uh, couple of hours or so. I'll be here until four o'clock, in fact, with Cowboy Dan. Uh, we're talking all things sport, talking movies as well. What's your scariest movie you can remember? We had this, the theme track there of, what was it, Psycho, wasn't it, with uh, um, Norman Bates, wasn't it? That shower Norman scene. Bates, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. always scary. Halloween, of course, was a good one. The Shining, Red Rum, Amateurville Horror, uh, Salem's lot. Um, Peter Mulholland, he's on the line now, a former Western Reds coach, uh, former coach of West's Magpies, reserve grade team as well, and St. Gregory's College, Campbelltown. He's, of course, got on to much bigger and better things as one of the game's uh, most recognised and well-respected recruitment gurus. Peter Mulholland, thanks for joining us, mate. G'day, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on. That's all right. Hey, scary movie, Skull. Uh, and Skull is your... Oh, there's another link, hey? Skull is... Why is your nickname Skull? Talking of scary images? I, 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 no, no. <laughs> I inherited it from my dad years and years ago. Dad, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know how Dad even got it. He used to work in the coal mines, and I yeah. think somewhere along the line, he ended up with an accident, fractured his skull or something. <laughs> it's an obscure story, to be quite honest. Okay, I saw it. Spooky things and coincidences. So um, you'll you'll know this fella, Box, my old mate, Box. He's still over there in Perth, um, Corin okay. Reading, right? So I speak to him. I don't know, maybe three three times a year if I'm lucky. About six minutes yeah. ago, when you picked up the phone and you were just on hold here, my phone yeah. goes off and it's Box. He's calling me, and I said, "Well, mate, I can't talk. <laughs> I'm about to." Had to talk to one of your former coaches. Mate, I, I read an article, Pete, yesterday, uh, which prompted me to, to try and get you on, on the show, uh, written by Nick Walshaw in the um, Daily Telegraph, Saturday Telegraph, and he obviously has yep. in, interviewed you. And for those that don't know Peter Mulholland, he's, you've signed, I don't know, you've signed around about 500 players to contracts at various clubs over over more than probably two decades or more. Um, and, and the article, sort of the, the, the gist of it was what makes a cornerstone player with the advent of the Dolphins? Where do they start? And, and you have uh, identified a number of players at various clubs over the years that you would call somewhat of a cornerstone player. Explain that a bit more. Yeah, Chris, it was an interesting conversation with Nick. I mean, you've got your marquee players that, that you know, are going to buy themselves like the Pongers and, 
and these sorts of players that have a direct a- effect on, on every game that they play in at some circumstances. You know, a Cherry Evans, uh, an Andrew Johns, you know, those sorts of marquee players. But associated with them are the players that I believe that every club needs. And, and they're the players that players want to play with and a lot of others don't want to play against. And, mm. you know, I gave a few quotes the other day. And, and since that, and since you asked me to come on the show, I was just thinking about a few others that are, you know, consistently there, even in the in the current game, um, there, there are quite a few players at each club that you'd look at as a cornerstone player for that particular club. Mm. It, and and so so it's a different player to a marquee player. It, it's it's someone that you know, on and off the field yeah. is is just someone that you want around the player. And and when you were, were doing work with Canterbury, you identified a well a country bumpkin, didn't you, by the name of Dale Finucane? There was a couple there. Chris, um, Dale was fantastic. He came from down uh, Eden, Bega down that way, and um, you know I saw him play through the 15 CHS schoolboys trials on the south coast, and you know I thought he'd go to the Raiders. No one was interested in him there, and um, eventually picked him up and brought him up to school at uh, and put him into Bass High at, mm. um, when I was at Canterbury. Uh, at the same time, I was going further north, and I remember we played. Um, I was at Canterbury, and we played um, an SG ball game against Newcastle, and um, Josh Jackson was in that Newcastle side. He'd just yeah. come down from Golgong and uh, same sort of kid. So they're, they're two players, I would believe, that when you bring them into your club, they are examples for other players to follow. They don't take shortcuts. They are there because they want to be the best they can possibly be and they induce others into that same mindset of being the best they can possibly be without taking shortcuts. You know, away from the game, their impeccable behaviour. Um, and that's not just, you know, off-the-field stuff. It's about their preparation for games. It's about general livelihood as a, as a citizen. You know, they're impeccable in that, that circumstance. And, and I think there's, there's players at other clubs, and I was only thinking about it, as I said to you before, mm. you know, Fisher Harris at, um, at Penrith is a great example. You never see him, I think I mentioned in Nick's comments, that you never see him being mentioned about leaving the club because the Panthers know how valuable he is, not just to... The, the team itself, but to the club generally. He's an example for young players. He's an example for the players that he's playing with. No one likes lining up against him. The other one that's starting to show that same sort of tenacity at the Panthers is that Liam Martin. He's one of these mm. guys that, you know, that you would look at and say, oh, geez, I'm, you know, you've got to keep a bit of an eye on him off the ball. He's, you know, he's one of these blokes who's just going to keep you, you know, on your game the whole time. Uh, I remember when I was working with Wayne at, at the Knights, the biggest signing we made, I believe, at the Knights was, was Bo Scott. Mm. No one wanted to play against Bo. Everybody wanted to play with him. Jeremy Smith was another one that Wayne bought there. And they are the sort of players that do everything right at training, away from training, and, and on, the, on the game itself, in the game itself. Uh, Neville Costigan was surprisingly enough another one that Wayne really believed in um, as a player that was a cornerstone player for his, uh, for his teams. Mm. I, I forgot your time at the Knights working with Wayne Bennett. So and just just on that now, so Wayne will coach the Dolphins in 2023. And as of tomorrow, um, the Dolphins will be able to sign players up who are still contracted at other clubs. Now, that's a, another topic we'll talk about in a moment because I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. like the fact that a player can um, sign with another club even before their current season or pre-season really begins. But back on Wayne Bennett. So I see that, and this one, they've got, they have recruited... Uh, the Dolphins, they have recruited another recruitment guru in Peter O'Sullivan, who I know you know very well. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. he's been waiting for 20 years uh, to work with um, 
Wayne Bennett. So now they um, are ready to throw a $10 million war chest uh, to assemble uh, assemble players. And there are a number of big names out there on the market. And these might be some of the cornerstone players that you, you might be um, referring to. The likes yeah. of maybe a Brandon Smith or a Christian Welch or even a Cameron Munster. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're talking about Brandon Smith and you're talking about Cameron Munster, obviously there's some off-field stuff that they're addressing and everything else. Um, yeah, that, there's two of them there. I'd be looking at Kafusi out of Melbourne. I think he's one of the... If he was off, I'd be signing him tomorrow as one of my first players in a club because I, I know he's going to give it... Uh, yeah, well, mate, he'd be one I'd certainly look at. I'd look at him ahead of Brandon Smith to a degree, mm. to be quite honest with you. I just think there's a there's a basis there. Um, yeah, Munster for sure. I, I think he's one of those players that I believe is a marquee player because he does have a direct effect on, on the outcome of every game. Mm. Um, I, I think it's just that echelon below. It's just those players below that you really need in that side to be successful. Mm. And I think that's where we talk about this term culture and I, I hate the term role models. Role models, you know, that's your parents or it's your, you know, your school teachers. I think your role models, not rugby league players. Mm. You can aspire to be like them, but there, there's a lot of those players that become, um, you know, aspirational player or players that uh, other players aspire to be like in your club. And I think you need to you get that basis. And Wayne signing Peter O'Sullivan's, you know, it's a great move because Wayne doesn't want to be sitting down doing contract deals. Mm. And I know. You know, when we started the Reds, Chris, that was my job. And all of a sudden, you know, they didn't have a recruitment managers in those days as such. And I was doing contracts for players. And come the 1st of no, that was for 12 months before it, come the 1st of November in 1990, um, 1994, yeah. I became the coach. And all of a sudden, I've got players come to me with contractual situations that I, you know, that I had arranged. Mm. So Wayne now has got that arm's distance from that by having Peter O'Sullivan there to do with the deals. I was going to come to you myself. Person. I was going to come to you myself, yeah. Pete, and say, do you just put another zero on this buddy champion? <laughs> Good, mate. Um, I've got you, a, did a, you did a right to it all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a text here, Mark. He says, uh, cornerstone players that Skull is talking about. Uh, what about the likes of Wayne Pierce and Billy Peden? Uh, yeah, um, I yep. agree. Yeah. They're the players, oh, 100%. aren't they? Hundred mm. yeah, percent, and mate, every club and every era we can go through and look at those players. I mean, you know, you've only got to look at Jackson. I mean, Wade Graham at Cronulla. I mean, mm. We had I had Wade as a kid at at, um, at uh, Penrith. A great kid, always going to be a leader. You know, he's a cornerstone. But Gallon was the same. Mm. You know, Gallon didn't have a direct out out. Um, effect on the outcome of, of a lot of games, but by the G, he was there to give them that, uh, that, that solid base they needed. Uh, you go through the, the Roosters. I mean, Hargraves is there as a cornerstone player. There's two or three others that in that forward pack that you'd, you'd want to have in your team every day of the week. Papali at your club, to, Canberra. Papali. Mm. Players want to play with Josh Papali. Elliot Whitehead, surprisingly enough. And, and it's not until you're in the clubs and you understand the value, that you really do understand the value of these players, you know, and as I said to you before, it was, I think I spoke to you about Willie Mason at at, um, at Newcastle and, and Wayne and I had a bit of a disagreement on that one. And Wayne said, I want him. He said, I want him for a reason. I said, well, what's that reason? He said, I need to build a, a bridge between myself and the players. They don't get my jokes. <laughs> they, they don't, they're, they're in awe of me. And yet Willie, and I remember the first training session at, at, at um, Newcastle, Willie's walking across the, the, the um, football field, first session with his arm around Wayne. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. had gone within 10 feet of it. So Wayne had this, this great ability to be able to pick exactly what he needed for that particular moment. And hence, 
Bo Scott, hence Jeremy uh, Smith, yeah. were very, very important parts yeah. of that. Uh, Felice Cafusi, by the way, Scott. Yeah, he is one of those oh. players off contract next year. So, um, Mate, I, I'd love him. He is a great competitor and he's just one of those guys that, you know, he died in war with you. He, he, mm. He's like Connerton, he's like Jackson. Um, you know, and you can, every club's got them. And, and I think that's important. Mitch Barnett at the Knights is another great example of a cornerstone player that you look at. Mm. You know, Mitch has got his mistake rates and everything else, but you know that there's 110% in everything that he does on and off the field. Yeah, it's an interesting time, isn't it? So, so what's different this year to previous years is we've got an, another club at the table um, driving yeah. prices a little more uh, northerly, I, I guess you could say. Talking to Peter Mulholland, a well-respected, well-known recruitment uh, guru from many, many years around the game. So how does it work, Skull? So you've got people like yourself. So you're now, I guess, exclusively employed by Canberra Raiders. You're, you're in charge of their yeah. recruitment You've been at Canterbury, you've been at Penrith, you've been at Newcastle and, and elsewhere as well. How do you identify these younger players coming through? Is it a matter of you jumping on the plane, doing plenty of miles, going to when you can, of course, going to schoolboy carnivals? And I, I imagine also standing behind the ropes there would be um, a horde of player managers. Yeah, it's interesting. You're exactly, everything you said is exactly what we do. But the, probably the greatest advent we've had, and, and COVID has created that, has been the online streaming now. There's a lot of times that, you know, we were in that four months or five months of lockdown that I watched a, a lot of uh, live stream games from Queensland, schoolboy games. Mm. I picked up two great kids out of St. Brendan's Yapoon just on, on those live streams that, that will be down next year, one down next year, one will keep there for another year of school. Um, you know, you could do that. I was lucky enough to, as you know, Chris, to teach in a boarding school for 20 years at St. Greg's. So I've got plenty of contacts right throughout, well, throughout anywhere. I mean, we've got them in England. We've got them in mm. um, even Papua New Guinea still. I've got boys up there that'll contact me about a player or whatever. So you, you use your contacts. Uh, the old boys network at your clubs are important. Like John McLeod's put me onto a great kid out of um, Ipswich. Stevie Jackson's put me onto kids at um, Mackay from, from the Raiders' mm. point of view. So you use your old boy network. Uh, Johnny McIntyre still got an extensive network, and as you would imagine, Ricky and Don Ferner have down there that we use. So you do, mate. You, you've, but I, I like to watch players live as much as I can because you see what they do off the ball. You see what they do when they've made a mistake, what their first reaction is after they've made a mistake. You listen to them on the field if they're talking, if their talk is in that position they need to be in, You know what they're saying behind the goalposts. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole... There's a whole range of things that you do with it. And as you say, mate, the, the biggest thing is dealing with player managers and, and getting the deal done. I think that's the most important part of a lot of it. Mm, mm. I've got, uh, um, talking of your days at St. Gregory's College, Campbelltown, um, and our mm. history, as, as you well know, uh, I was at Parramatta Maris Brothers, and I, I think we, we were lucky enough to beat you guys in a Commonwealth <laughs> Bank Cup semi-final, maybe. Well, one of your other students, um, one of your other students, uh, who you coached in those days. He'll be coming on air um, after me this afternoon from 4pm, uh, Jimmy Smith. So, um, oh, Jimmy, yep. yeah. He, he sent... Great captain was Jimmy. He and um, JT shared the captain. Or actually, he was captain of the side in 89 that won it. He was um, Jason Taylor, was yeah. 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 Uh, talking of Jason Taylor, and he's now with North Sydney Bears, and that links me into that. What do you what do you make of the, the, the thoughts and the, their desire still to come into the competition and be the 18th team and be almost like a, a nomadic team? type uh, Bears team? I think we've got a lot of different ideas on this 18th side. To be honest with you, Chris, I, I love the Bears. I, I had a great 12 months there and before I took the Reds on and really loved it. It's a great mm. club and 
you know, it's just unfortunate it went the way it did with the Super League war and so forth. But um, look, I honestly thought they could have taken two teams out of Queensland initially. And I still don't think there's anything wrong with 20 teams in the competition. Eventually, you know, water finds its own level and the game will find enough talent. And as I said to you the last time we were interviewed, you know, there's always a replacement for a Greg Inglis or a Sam Burgess or a Cooper Cronk or a Billy Slater. You always will find a kid that'll come through and take those superstars' places. I think there's enough depth in the game. And I think what we need to be doing more than anything is to revise that... Um, second tier competition back to a national one at some stage, you know, whether it be an age based competition or not, to continue the development. But I honestly think the game could handle twenty teams, to be quite honest. Eighteenth team though, and I would have thought you you would still have strong feelings and beliefs and, and hopes that the Reds might come in at some point. I I would like to think that. I, I hope it hasn't gone too far. Um, you know, as you know, mate, you were there in those foundation days. There's a lot of setting up in ninety three and ninety four for that you know, we, you know, I think I was appointed, what was it, March 93. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had nearly two years to set the whole thing up and, and take players in to enhance the local competition to bring players through. Um, I just don't know how far it's deteriorated over there in that, in that um, the last 25 years. It's been a bit of a problem. But mm-hmm. again, it's, I guess it's a relocation thing. Um, I'd love to see the Reds back in. I think it would be amazing. And, and it, it, it fits on every angle, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's a very wealthy state. The time zones are perfect. Um, you know, it's, it's another exposure at a particular time of day for um, mm. for the game on the um, on the pay TV networks. You know, there's a lot of pros and cons for it, but I also think there's a lot of pros for another Brisbane side as well. Mm. Mate, I'll, I'll, um, uh, just a text has come through here, so it's a question without notice. I'll throw it at you, and you can answer it any way you want. Um, I read an article yesterday, I think it was, and there's been ongoing uh, criticism of Luke Brooks at West Tigers, and there was uh, some uh. suggesting maybe he, he might be better served leaving West Tigers. He was identified as a youngster many, many years ago, but they've you know you know the story. What are your thoughts mm. on Luke Brooks? Have we seen the best of him? Do you think he might be better served at another club? I was talking to Mick Potter about Luke Brooks about six weeks ago, and Mick coached him and debuted him at the Tigers. Mm. You know, you've got to understand, Luke Brooks has never really had a premiership-winning pack of forwards in front of him. Um, and any halfback lives and dies by the quality of the pack of forwards that's in front of him. And I think I think over that period of time, he's, he's probably suffered from that. Uh, what do I think of him? I, I would like to see him with a very, very good, strong pack of forwards, and I hopefully the West Tigers will will continue to try and develop that for him. Um, is he, a, is he a, an organising halfback? Probably not. Um, can he play off the cuff? Yes, he can. Is his kicking game solid? Yes, it is. Defensively, he had his issues to start with, but I think they've been curtailed somewhat. Um, I, I would be disappointed for him to be leaving the, the Tigers. I, I think um, I think with Sheen's arriving there, and I think with Matt's being given a little bit more of a free reign, I think things will turn around at the tides, and I would like to think Luke Brooks could remain part of that. Peter Mulholland, as always, mate, it is an absolute pleasure to uh, to chat to you, buddy, and I appreciate you coming on the line. You, uh, as always, talk a lot of sense. Oh, thanks, Chris. That's, 
really nice of you to say. Make sure you tell the box we said good day. And um, I will, I will. Yeah, mate, I, I I appreciate it. It's nice to have a talk, and I, and I hope it just stimulates a little bit of conversation. No, it's and, brilliant, um, mate. I love, I love it. You know. I love it. And I think our listeners too, judging the text lines that are coming through, they're, they're liking what you're saying as well, mate. So, um, we'll talk again soon, Pete. Enjoy Halloween and trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> we've got four. We've got a new family next door. They've got four kids under eight, and I've oh. got this bag of lollies out there, and I'm actually been hoeing into them. So. I'll be Did the you have? <laughs> All right, mate. I'll talk All to you right. again soon. All right, guys. There See he is. You, uh, there Thanks, he is. Chris. Thanks, mate. There's Peter Maholland, uh, recruitment guru extraordinaire. Uh, Cowboy Dan, you're still yes, here in the studio with me. Uh, Jaleesa Apps, we're going to talk to shortly, yeah, I believe. After the next break, yes. Mostly sink our teeth into cricket, cricket are we? Yeah, T20, Sheffield Shield, but she's also been uh, seeing some Winter Olympians before they head off this week. You know, when you adjust your mic like that, our listeners yeah, can hear it. I know, it, I know. I know. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Georgie Rose, yes. boxing promoter extraordinaire, yes. about Tim Zhu, also about Paul Gallen mm. and Joshua Loyer. They uh, resolved their differences and they will get in the ring and uh, they've worked out how many rounds and how many minutes. Billy Deer will also yes. uh, join us too. So still lots more to come on Sports Central. If you're stuck at home and you're listening to us and then every third minute, bang, 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 knock at the door, you got to go, particularly if you live in a, a two-story house or more, up yeah. and down, open the door, here, take this, you know, get off my property. See, I'm in an apartment, <laughs> so it's not too oh, bad. Perfect. Uh, and I'm actually a security yeah. gated apartment, is it? Yes, uh, security gated. Yeah, level three. I'm on. Well, like got, you, well, you you sleep in peace all well, afternoon. I'm, I'm actually not staying. I'm staying closer to work today anyway, so I won't be bothered at all. Oh, okay. Well, I'm back. Problems in at home? No, 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 no. I finish at seven after the great Jimmy Smith. Yeah. And I'm back in here at five, so I thought I'll just. You gonna sleep closer. in the streets? No, not in the, the gutter. streets. No, no. Just down the road. Geez, they're working you hard, aren't they? They are, yes. Loving every minute. Well, I hope you you provide Jimmy with as much you know attention to detail and energy that you bring to this show. I do. He's got a great show. He's got Hugh Bowman on. Because he won't suffer mediocrity. No, no, he won't. No, no, no he definitely Jimmy would. Jimmy Bowman. No, Huey, Huey Bowman. Bowman. Huey Bowman with Jimmy Smith. With Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Jimmy go. Bowman and Hugh Smith. Should be good. Okay. Good show. Should be. And you, Cowboy Dan. Yeah, lots of other people um, well. Now, listen, yeah, jump on the open line if you want to give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, uh, or you can drop us a text, 0457 736 736. We can talk about anything. We can talk about Halloween. We can talk about how scary England looked last night in the T20. Uh, we can talk rugby league, um, all sorts of things happening tomorrow with, uh, I guess it's a bit of silly season, isn't it, with player contracts. And um, the Dolphins, they can, well, start signing players up pretty much who are still contracted. Um, they can do all that tomorrow. Right now, though, let's talk mostly cricket. And Jaleesa Apps from uh, Channel 10 has uh, been kind enough to take uh, a bit of time out of her Sunday afternoon to join us. Jaleesa, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you? I'm really well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Are you a scary movie sort of girl? Oh, no. You know what? I don't actually watch a lot of things that aren't real, and it's not like a conscious decision, but all I do is watch sport and, like, weird docos. That's it. Okay. So you're not a, Net- I- not a Netflix girl unless you've got the sports docos on there? Uh, yeah, but and there are a few good docos on there. There's a lot of, like, Louis Theroux, like, those kind of docos. But, um, yeah, no, I just watch... I don't know what it is, but I just can't get into something where I know it's not real. Just fake, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of these yeah. scary movies, you can tell straight away it's fake. You know, fake, yeah, fake although, blood and all that. Maybe I'm just a, maybe I'm just a bit of a sook and I'm too scared. 
Maybe, maybe. Well, we'll steer away from scary movies, but I was asking our listeners out there, what were some of the all-time great scary movies uh, on Halloween, of course? Uh, keep those texts coming through, 0457 736 736. Right, let's talk sport. Uh, that's mm-hmm. more what you're into, right, than scary movies. Yeah. Uh, last night was pretty scary, though. I don't know if you stayed up and watched it live. I know you will have watched the highlights probably. This, oh, did you watch it live or not? I watched part of it live. I didn't watch um, all of it. Um, and then I watched the rest of it this morning. It was exactly what I expected. I okay. thought we should have won. We should have beaten South Africa. We should have beaten the, um, you know, Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. They had to go through the group stages, but this was where we were really going to be tested and where some of our um, poor form was going to come undone. I mean, Aaron Finch, he got 44, so that was finally good to see him get to get some runs, but a strike rate of 89 mm-hmm. is not going to do much for you in T20. So it's just a really poor effort all, all round and, um, so obviously England won by eight wickets with 50 balls left. They did it so easily. And this was exactly what I expected. And it puts the net run rate in a very poor position for Australia and meaning that they probably are going to have to win their last two games. And you really can't, you can't, you can't afford to lose too many games in the way that T20 is structured. It's a little bit different to the one day mm. um, World Cup. So this, it was just, the decision to leave out Mitch Marsh was a little bit bizarre too. Someone who has been in form, um, like the rest of the team. So yeah, well, a lot of people are saying, you know, what on earth is are they doing at the selection table by um, moving Marsh out of the side? And also the batting order, there's, there's people questioning that, where Maxwell's best to be batting as well. I'm getting quite a few texts here, Jaleesa, and uh, sort of uh, these are the sentiments. Um, this one from um, Andrew uh, Menzel. He says Australia should have stuck with a winning team. Massive blunder at the selection table. Another one here, uh, end of the World Cup for us. Net run rate destroyed. Hope we don't make the finals as we're just making up the numbers. Oh, gee, that's a bit... Yeah, okay. Um, and another one here. Ma- sorry, sorry, Dal? I think we are. Like, I think... I mm. think- we are making up the numbers because we haven't actually taken, we haven't taken all the preparation really that seriously. Even in the lead up, we didn't, we didn't play our full team in any of the, um, not the warm up matches, but it's sort of the lead in um, series that we had against the West Indies and Bangladesh. We had a completely different looking side and uh, the selectors are also, none of them have played T20. Mm. We almost, I just really think we need to start treating this as a totally different sport and have selectors that are, they have played T20 or have a bit of experience in T20 and a different coach with all mm. respect to Justin Langer, but he's got the ashes in the back of his mind. He has to. Uh, so I just think it all needs to be treated as a different sport. We can't keep flogging our test players and wondering why they're not good at T20. Mm. Uh, Darren Berry, I spoke to him last week and he was saying, you know, he doesn't think Steve Smith should be in our T20 team as much as a, a wonderful player he is. Uh, and I see Shane Warne, uh, I think late last night or early this morning, also said that he, he wouldn't have Steve Smith in his uh, T2011 either. I know. This is madness to me. I I can't understand. Warney has been on this campaign, and I love Warney, but I just mm. hate this campaign that he's on, that, T, that Steve Smith needs to not be in that T20 team. That Steve Smith plays the role, and obviously he wasn't good last night. He only got, he got out for one. But Steve Smith's role in that team is to steady the ship and get everyone else on strike when it's, you know, when it's all going to mm. shit. He can, 
you know, mm. come in and I don't know if I can say it on the radio. Just, just do it. Don't worry about can... it. Oh, <laughs> it is there now. <laughs> um, I, I forget where I am sometimes. No, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, he can come in and sort of steady the ship. And, that's what um, that's what I said. Mm. And steady the ship and get, and, and, and get, you know, those quick scorers on strike. And, and uh, that's what his role is. It's everyone around him that's not playing that role. It's, mm. And so I completely disagree. I know Steve Smith doesn't score as quickly as everyone else, but we need someone there who, for the most part, and yesterday was not a good example, but for the most part, does not throw away their wicket, can mm. come in and play really smart. Mm. And Maxwell, though, I mean, he's most effective, isn't he? And most effective middle order. And, and he doesn't need to be worrying about the power play, I wouldn't have thought. But anyway, that's he was moved up the order. Um, yeah, that, it's just, it was all very, it's all a bit bizarre. We, we still haven't quite settled. I, I'm not sure really why they changed a winning side at all, I think. You, why would why should anyone be on edge if they're winning? They should know that they've got their spot. Mm. I I just found the whole thing quite bizarre, and it just puts us in a very precarious position now. And I I frankly don't think that even if we get through to the semis, I I don't think we deserve to go much further. Mm. Who have we got? We got Bangladesh next. When's that? In a few days' time, is it? That's on Thursday, I think. Thursday, yeah. Yeah, the fourth. All yeah, right. That'll be it tough one we've come through in a pretty tough group really because even the teams like Bangladesh who have had to go through the qualifying uh, are great is a great like they're mm. a great side so mm. we've actually sort of ended up in a very tough group where the quali- guys, the teams that have to come through qualifying are very solid teams yeah no they are away from cricket talking to Julie Raps from Channel 10 by the way did I see you were you down at the Sporting Globe with our boys with Finchie and and Joel, yes. how did that all go? Oh, that was really fun. It was a, I was surprised that there was so many people at the Sporting mm. Globe. I it's hadn't actually place. been there down there before. Great place. Yeah, really good. He's loud. He's loud, Finchy, though, isn't he? Very loud. He is. Um, he was quite surprised because <laughs> so a few weeks before I'd been speaking to the boys exactly about what we were talking about, how I was annoyed mm. that Warney was banging on about dropping Steve Smith. And Warney's been my phone background for about seven years. And I said, I'm so annoyed. I want to change my phone background. And Finchie, Finchie said to me that he, I had to change it to him. So he, they sent <laughs> me through a picture yeah. of him in a Warney mask. <laughs> and that's been my phone background for three weeks. And when I went down there, Joel said, all right, we'll prove it to us. Is that your phone background? I said, yes, it is. And there it is. Screensaver. 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 my phone background. Lovely. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, Sheffield Shield turning our attention to to that. Um, Victoria winning against New South Wales. That wrapped up yesterday, didn't it? At Dremoyne Oval, a 204-run uh, victory. I guess the story, if I'm right, coming out of that is, is, is Marcus Harris and putting his name forward. He is the incumbent, isn't he, really, uh, opening test partner for David Warner. Um, you yeah. know, just when Usman Khawaja has been putting some runs on the board as well, um, Marcus has said, hey, hey, don't forget me. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's funny. We've, uh, you know, we've got a few guys now that are sort of putting their hands up, as you mentioned, Khawaja and Marcus Harris with 137 um, for Victoria in their second innings. And, but even for New South Wales, I mean, it's really um, hard to go past, like, Sean Abbott for that sort of middle order sort of all-rounder spot too. He was... 
fantastic with the ball. He got eight wickets over the the series, so um, over the match. So yeah, there's definitely no shortage. It's these guys that are also getting all that red ball um, lead up to that I think they're going to have to really start looking at because depending on how far the Aussies go in the World Cup, potentially there will not be one red ball game heading into the Ashes. I can't remember an Ashes series where we went in so underdone with the red ball. No, I can't either. But um, And, you know, um, last night, I know it's a totally different format, but yeah. We've seen it happen before. What sort of confidence that gives England? You know, they get a bit of a swagger oh, in their yeah. step, a bit of spring in their step, knowing they've just um, torched us in T20 ahead of that first uh, Ashes test. That is on December 8th up there at the Gabba. Before you run off, now also, did I see last night on Instagram, was that a little gin and tonic I saw you posting, or what was that? I had a little gin and tonic. I had a couple of gin and tonics. Uh-huh. That was a pretty good guess. Pretty good guess from me, I think. That was a very good guess. Yeah, I had I had a couple of gin tonics just to wake me up before the cricket. <laughs> to wake you up before the cricket, and then I'm sure it didn't take long for them to put you to sleep. Well done to England. Poor performance from the Aussies, and uh, great performance as usual. Uh, Jaleesa Apps, thanks for joining us, mate, on SEN. Thank you. She loved the girl and she knows her stuff, knows her stuff inside out. And, and look, it's good that we're all human, all right? We, she yes. likes a little gin and tonic. Yep. I like a little shandy. Yep. Uh, Finchie likes whatever Finchie likes. And um, Joel likes what Joel likes. Correct. And we all get on. We do. We're human. We are. Um, and it's 10 minutes to two. I hope you're having a, a nice, uh, enjoyable Sunday afternoon and those, those rascals out there aren't banging on your door too hard, too loud, too often for too many sweeties. Happy Halloween. Uh, trick or treat. Has anyone ever done a trick rather than give a treat? I, I don't I, know. I certainly haven't. No, the easier option, isn't it? Just to give them some lollies and say, get, go. Well, it seems Shoo. Yeah, much easier just to get some chocolate. Because imagine all these days in this this. PC world we live in. What if you did a treat, a trick rather? That wouldn't be. You'd probably get locked up. Well, it could just be a magic trick. Oh, what? Juggle something? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, we'll go through some Melbourne Cup for you uh, shortly and a bit later on. We're going to talk some boxing as well. So Paul Gallen and Josh Aloye. What's his other name? O'Shea. 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 Yeah, something like that. Olive oil. Yeah. Olay. That's it. He's fighting Paul Gallen. They've agreed to 10 rounds, I believe. Or no, they've agreed to eight rounds over two minutes. I'm going to talk to their promoter extraordinaire, George Rose, next. Good to go. You signed your six two-minute round, John. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's... Six threes were agreed. Six threes, you sign your six two. Shut up. Okay, uh, shut up. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, it's Chris Warren with you, Sports Central, 2 o'clock. Exactly, we're here for two hours. Um, now, that was a snippet from last night's, uh, I guess it's a face-off, isn't it, between Paul Gallen and uh, Josh Loyer. Now, or Ole Oshay, which is also yes. uh, known as these days. So the boys are going to fight, I believe it's on December 10, um, and it's all being organised by No Limit Promotions. George Rose uh, heads up um, that crew, and Georgie's been kind enough to, uh, to jump on the line. Hey, George, thanks for joining us, mate, on Sports Central. Mate, my absolute pleasure. Now, before we talk the fight game, George, um, did you get the lawns mode? I did, I did, and it was a beautiful day for it too. I got in early. Now I'm just kicking back, enjoying the sun, having a great Sunday Arvo. Beautiful. Where where are you living these days? I'm um I'm actually in Lorry's uh in Lorry's territory over on the north side. 
Okay. All right. Oh, oh, Harborside, are we on, on the on the peninsula or water views? <laughs> Not as close as him. No. Not as close to the water as him. All right. Okay, mate. We'll talk about Timmy Zoo as well. If you don't mind, we'll touch on that shortly. But firstly, this fight between Paul Gallen and Joshua Loyer, um, it's going ahead. Uh, I'm right in saying December 10, but there was all sorts of dramas about um, how many rounds and how long each round would be. But that's all cleared up now. It is officially cleared up, and um, it took a it took a uh, Instagram live public face off to get to that point. But I'm glad that we did, and it was it was pretty entertaining. I um <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to to get as fiery as it, as it did, but we got to a result at the end, and that's the thing I'm most happy about. Had they agreed? Um, is Paul right? Paul Gallen was saying that they'd already agreed. Um, what was it? Six three minute rounds that was agreed upon, yeah. but now that has changed. Yeah, so that six three-minute rounds was the initial agreement. Um, from there, it changed. Uh, Josh Josh actually got sick and and wasn't sure he'd be able to complete the the required amount, and um, it dropped as low as four two-minute rounds. And it was at six two-minute rounds from Josh's side, and still wanting six threes from Paul's side. And then last night, they reached uh, a happy medium in eight two-minute rounds. Okay, and. Um... So Gal, I mean, what's he had now? Eleven pro fights, isn't it? He's only had the um, the one loss uh, to Hooney. I mean, but he came out of that fight, and and people are really impressed with Paul Gal. And he's he's not, you know, uh, referred to as your, your footballer turned boxer. I think he's got a lot of street cred now as a as a fighter in his own right. Well, I think at one stage he was ranked at the in the top fifty in the world. So he's um he's got some he's got some serious credibility in the ring and. Uh, like you said, his only losses come against uh, a guy that is considered a, a future future champion. Um, and but there's no there's been no footballer or no crossover athlete who's been able to finish him off. But um, there's big talk around Josh Alloway. Mm. So he's agreed, hasn't he, Gal? Was it a three fight deal under? Is that under your promotion? Um, and this is the first of the of the the trilogy, if you like. Yeah, this is the first one, and, and look, we'll, we'll look to keep him as active as possible over the next twelve months. Because one, I love watching Gal fight; he's mm. so entertaining when you see him step in the ring. Um, I love, I love what he brings to boxing and the entertainment that he brings around it. Um, but also, let's just keep keep moving. He's not playing footy now. Mm. Um, he's a fit guy. He's an active guy. So let's keep getting him back in the ring and seeing who would be the most entertaining matchup for us. So December 10, so where's that at and, and who else is on the card? December 10, yeah, that, that date's locked in. We haven't uh, haven't confirmed an undercard yet. We wanted to lock in the main event before we went anywhere yeah. else after that. Um, likely to be here in New South Wales. So um, now that New South Wales has opened up again, I think we're, we're probably the best state to be um, to be hosting any, any um, fights and any fight nights. Um, so... Yeah, that 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 stuff will all be locked in in the next few weeks, and, and we'll we'll have an announcement for you. Mm. Uh, so, Gal, he, you know, he's not going to be taking on any of the, the serious uh, boxers these days. But he's he's going to take you know, take on sort of uh, former or current footballers. What do we know about a lawyer? How's he go? How's he hold him up? There's been talks about him for a couple of years. Um, so he's got a he's got a solid amateur career. He hasn't stopped boxing training since he went into rugby league. So even all through his rugby league career, he's continued the boxing training, um, and he, he's a guy like a, he was. He was put forward, I think, three years ago, 
um, they said there's a guy, Josh Alloway, this is when he was at the Tigers and um, he was still a young guy coming through and but they said that he's he's a guy who will challenge Gal, he'll beat Gal. Mm. So the talk's been around for years that he was the guy that, that'll step in and will beat Gal because there's been, like I said, there's been no other footy player who's been able to step in the ring and, mm. and uh, get over the G train. Uh, well, good luck to Josh. I, I certainly wouldn't want to step in the ring uh, with Gal. He's, he's proven, um, more than proven, how capable he is um, in the world of, of boxing. So um, I'll talk about Timmy Zhu in a moment too, but you're just still on uh, Oloye. You can probably understand, Georgie, and you being a man, a former Manly forward yourself, um, some Manly fans are saying, well, hang on, is it really fair that he goes and does this when he, he missed a fair bit of this season, didn't he, with a wrist or a hand injury? Yeah, he's been medically cleared. So everything's clear. There's, it's it's a pretty strict process to be able to step into the ring um, to start off with. As you know, New South Wales mm. Combat Sports Authority has very strict protocols, so it's hard to get it across the line to start off with. So the fact that he's been cleared, he's all he's all good to go. Uh, to top it off, he's going to be probably the fittest he's ever been during a pre-season um, based off the back of the boxing training. There's no fitness training, um, the equivalent of what you get from, from boxing training. You see... From Junior Paulo a few years ago, he used to be a big, sluggish front rower, got into the boxing game ever since then. Now he's pumping out big minutes. He's a big mobile guy. It has that effect on you where you improve your fitness, you enjoy your training more, and I think the benefits for the Seagulls, which I'm very happy with, mm. will be that Josh will be able to pump out more minutes next year. Yeah, and so Manly, they've all said all, all good, green light, yeah? Green light, green light. They reckon he'll play 90 minutes next year every game. All right, good. So Gal takes on Joshua Lawyer. That's December 10, and then there'll be another couple of fights as part of this agreement. Any idea who they might be against? For me, it's it's whatever the most exciting fight is. Gal pretty much said that he'll fight absolutely anyone. So anyone who's willing and able to challenge Gal, we'd probably put them up and put put the opportunity up there. We just want to see whatever the most entertaining fight is. And that's what that's pretty much what I do, is, is, is I pick a fight that's the most entertaining for me, the one that I want to watch and the one that I know that people want to watch and, and that's what I'll put together. So um, anyone who can thinks that they can match up with Gal who's out there on the footy scene, feel free to step up. Sonny Bill still on the radar or no? Is that, that gone, that opportunity, do you think? Look, I, I'm not sure if it's gone. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's gone. I think they're both in the media. They're actually working alongside each other at Channel 9, but mm. um, we'll see what happens in that space. Gal would dust him up myself. All right. <laughs> now, Timmy Zoo. So that's the big fight, right? That's the big fight. I'm looking in today's uh, Telegraph. Uh, I'm talking to George Rose, by the way. These days, boxing uh, promoter extraordinaire. And, um, well, in his stable is Timmy Zoo, unbeaten uh, in 19 pro fights. And arguably, um, his toughest opponent yet will be uh, on November, Wednesday, November 17, at Sydney's Kudos Bank Arena, um, highly rated Japanese fighter Takeshi Inoue. How's Timmy's preparations? Looking at this article in the paper today, he's travelling okay. He's driving a 200,000 Merc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a very nice car. It is a very nice car. Look, Timmy's, Timmy's probably one of the hardest, most disciplined trainers I've ever seen in my life across any sport. He's, um, he's a very disciplined guy and, and he needs to be for this fight because this fight is one that he actually didn't need to take. He's a mandatory challenger for the world title, which means that he's guaranteed a world title shot uh, sometime in the next 12 months. 
And this is a fight that he's taking to prepare himself for that world title shot. He wants to challenge the best people in the world. So we've got the best fighter coming out of Japan, travelling over here to Australia um, to take Timmy on at Kudos Bank Arena. First time we've been to Kudos Bank, and it's a great time too because everyone's been in lockdown. Now we've got some live sport to enjoy, and there's plenty of entertainment on the night. All right, Georgie, I appreciate you taking taking time out, mate, and having a quick chat. Um, I do here on SEN. So that December 10 is the fight with Gal against Josh Aloye, and then November 17, Timmy Zhu against Takeshi Inoue of Japan. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, buddy. Will do, mate. Cheers. Good on him. There he is, Georgie Rose. Good fella, isn't he? Um, and uh, one of the yeah, one of the fans' favourites, wasn't he, George Rose? Uh, there at at Brookvale for a number of years, big fella. Um, and yeah, a, a few. And he won't mind me saying this too. He was he was probably built more for uh, for comfort than speed. But I tell you what, he could play as a front rower. He, he could motor along, Georgie Rose. Um, other front rowers that you know. Uh, Bit, bit podgy, I guess you could say that, and they sometimes, you know, remind you of you know, someone you might see at a bar. You know, he's he's a bit of a dad bod like me, like you, or what you're about, not a dad. What about Mark Tukey? I was going to say Tukes, yeah. good fella Tukes too. Yeah, I, I uh, worked with Tukes yeah. over at uh, London for for a number of years. Mark Tukey, another really good fella. But uh, Georgie Rose there, yeah, they loved him, didn't they, out there at Brookvale? And um, well, another manly forward. Uh, Josh Aloye is uh, taking on Paul Gallen on uh, December the 10th. Venue yet to be uh, named or nominated and obviously the undercard yet to be confirmed as well. So watch this space for that. I'm going to try and track down uh, Billy Dibb. Uh, shortly, we might have a, a chat to, to Billy Dibb as well and we'll keep the theme of uh, of boxing going. Some other big fights um, coming up around the world as well. And we'll talk a bit more about the uh, the Melbourne Cup. That question I was throwing out to you and I would have thought that uh, some of my, my learned um, listeners, um, the likes of Toolman or Bondi Jack or any of those or even the Big G might have known the answer. I was asking earlier, uh, without going to Dr Google, by the way, how many multiple Melbourne Cup winners have there been since the inception of the great race? And how many how many horses have done the Caulfield Cup Melbourne Cup double, like Incentivise is trying to do on Tuesday? A couple of questions to throw out there. Text in your answers, 0457 736 736. This is Sports Central, 11 past two. Uh, let's get Yes, indeed. Let's get ready to rumble. And uh, we're going to talk boxing and boxing and a bit more boxing uh, with the great Billy the Kid Dib very shortly. Billy's on the line. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, just a reminder that uh, you can pick up the phone and have a chat if you want. Um, after we chat to Billy, of course, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Jimmy Smith will be on uh, this evening, this afternoon. He'll come on after I Bundy off. Uh, he'll be on from four till seven. So stick around. Um, all sorts of nonsense coming your way and sports talk as well. Huey Bowman, um, big win yesterday in the seven point five million dollar the Golden Eagle. Um, I'm thunderstruck, and thank godness, thank godness, thank goodness, thank even goodness, yes. uh, that Huey was able to almost carry um, Thunderstruck over the line, uh, a furlong out from the post, and I reckon he was still about four or five lengths off the pace and trying to get a run through the middle. Just got there in the nick of time. Uh, he has a knack, doesn't he, Hugh Bowman, of of winning the big races, won so many Group Ones on 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 the back of Winks as well. Um, 
but it just goes to show you that you can attract the world's best horses and the world's best uh, jockeys as well on Derby Day. You know, there was once upon a time no way in the world would a Hugh Bowman be in Sydney on Derby Day. He's, he's ridden a few, well, a couple, I think, at least Derby winners as well as multiple Group 1s at Flemington. But no, stayed in Sydney. Um, money talks, doesn't it? And uh, Huey Bowman walks away with a, a big, big win in the $7.5 million um, Golden Eagle. So well done to Huey. And uh, might I just say, Hugh, thank you. I've still got some fun tokens to, yes. to go around on Tuesday. Very good That for you, means Chris. thank you to uh, Hugh Bowman. <laughs> All right, let's talk some, uh, talk some boxing now. And uh, Billy... Dib, he's won a couple of world titles, haven't he, hasn't he, Billy? He's a friend of the show, friend of mine. Billy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, mate. How you doing? Good, brother. What's happening? What are you up to on Halloween? Have you had your door knocked down by little kids yet looking for lollies? <laughs> Actually, I had not one person knock on the door yet. So uh, we're, we're ready, but no one's knocked yet. Well, they're probably too scared, Billy. You might show them, give them a, a, trick, <laughs> a trick rather than a treat. Um, Let's talk some boxing there, mate. Now, finally, finally, we have a date for the much-anticipated Lopez Cambosis Jr. matchup for the, uh, what is that, the undisputed lightweight crown. When's it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be a crazy month. Uh, you know, November's going to be exciting for Australian boxing. You've got Tim Zhu, and then uh, followed by Tim Zhu, you've got uh, George Cambosis taking on Tiafimo Lopez on the 27th of the 11th, which is next month, for the undisputed lightweight championship. So, Definitely a very exciting month for boxing for uh, for Australia. Absolutely. So this has been, and, and we've, we've spoken about this before, and um, this is, is not news, but it's been rescheduled a number of times, hasn't it? It's been on again and, and off again. Um, now, tell us more about Ferocious Cambosis Jr. He's unbeaten, isn't he? Um, unbeaten. He's 28 years of, of age. Proud Aussie. Greek heritage as well. Yeah, the kid's undefeated. He's got 19 victories and 10 knockouts. So he's, uh, you know, he's been he's been in a few scraps himself. His last two fights have been against former world champions, and he's managed to win on split decision against both of them. So, you know, obviously Tiafimo Lopez is a bit of a step up, but this mm. kid's uh, he's hungry. George Cambosis is definitely a hungry kid, and you can uh, you can see the t- tenaciousness in his uh, in, the, in the desire that he has. He uh, he's uh, he's primed to become undisputed champion. I was going to ask you the question. So I was doing a bit of um, reading last night about um, Ferocious Cambosius, and the, the question is being asked, is he um, is he a world-class fighter, or, or does he still have to prove his credentials against Lopez? I mean, look, he still has to prove him, but he's proved that in his last two fights that he can mix it with some of the uh, high-caliber guys, even though they were well past their best. He still managed to get the, the victory against them, but... Obviously, um, Tiafimo Lopez is another, um, you know, cattle of fish. He's a, uh, he's an outstanding fighter. He's an outstanding puncher, and he, uh, he delivers some explosive victories. So, I mean, George is going to need to be on his game. He's going to need to be 100% focused in order to secure a victory against Lopez. And that, I think, we'll be able to see that on the zone. Are you across that? That's correct. Yeah, it's going to be on the zone. It's um, it's going to be promoted by Eddie Hearn, who uh, who runs Matchroom Boxing. So, and uh, he has a contract with the zone. So, Australian, Australian boxing fans can definitely tune in to watch that fight. It's going to be a very exciting one, and I feel that um, you know, George is going to make Australia very proud. We might try and track uh, George Cambosis down, if not through this program, through uh, the Rocked podcast, and see if we can have a chat to him. Um, we'll give the zone a plug as well. So, all right, um, mate, still with boxing then, uh, Zoo and Inaway. That's now, what, just 17 days away. 
So what what what, what are Timmy's preparation? We just spoke to George um, George Rose just moments ago. I don't know if you're listening. Here. So what sort of a preparations now would it be? Seventeen days out from a, a big fight like this, what would Tim be trying to do with his body? Well, Tim would still be going hard. I would I would, uh, I would think uh, you know obviously I've been in that position before. He'd still be working extremely hard. He'd probably start tapering off about a week out from the fight, but. Till now, he'd still be doing his sparring, still be getting his rounds in on the pads, bag work. So the the hard work is still happening right now. So I'd I'd imagine that Tim is deep in the training session right now. And um, basically, you know, seven days out from the bout, he'll just wind it down, start tapering off, and hopefully uh, be primed for for a great victory. So just like, um, I guess, George Cambosis, where he's 19 and 0, uh, Timmy Zhu is also... 19 and 0, but this is by far and away his, his toughest assignment, isn't it? Against Inouye? Yeah, look, in Inouye is a uh, very tough Japanese contender. He's uh, he's a proven, um, he's got that granite chin, doesn't he? His mm. chin's made of granite, and um, Mangia couldn't get him out of there. So, you know, if Tim can somehow knock this kid out, that'd be a great victory. And either way, regardless whether Tim knocks him out or just gets the win, and of course it's a great win for Australian boxing and a great win for Tim. And as I said, you know, November is going to be a very busy month for for Australian boxing. You got Tim, you got George, as well as you know, there's some great fights um, that are happening around the world. Uh, you got Canelo Alvarez, who's going to be fighting for the uh, undisputed um, uh, super middleweight championship of the world. So, some really exciting things happening in the sport of boxing right now. Now, Michael Zarafa, his name's gone off the radar a bit, hasn't it, um, in recent months? Because that fight uh, that was against him, it never happened. So um, what's what's the latest for him? Well, so um, basically, you know, after the um, zoo situation, people had a bit of a sour taste in their mouth towards Michael. Mm. You know, things happened for a reason, and Michael had his reasons why the fight didn't take place. But now I think there's some talk about... Uh, Michael is Michael Zarafa facing Isaac Hardman in an all Australian battle as well, and Isaac Hardman's a uh, you know a pretty decent puncher. He's got he's got uh, nine knockouts from eleven victories. Even though he's not um uh, you know heavily experienced, but he he fancies his chances against Zarafa. But him and Zarafa have been going back and forth at it for a while, and I think we're going to finally see the fight sometime very soon. Where's he from, Hardman? Um, I think uh, he's, uh, he's obviously um, Queensland-based. He, he lives in Queensland. Mm, okay. So he's a Brisbane boy. And Michael himself, yeah. I mean, he was, he's, you know, he, he, he's inching or was inching closer to maybe a shot one day at the world, a world title, but um, his, his career very much has been uh, put on the back burner or derailed um, when that fight with Zoo was, was called off. Yeah, look, you know what, as I said to you, put a bit of a sour taste in people's mouths, but... Michael had his reasons, and um, I'm sure there were valid reasons. Um, but you know, boxing is a really unforgiving sport in that sense. Mm. You know, it's hard to hard to capture the imagination of the fan. We've lost uh, we've lost Billy there. He's he's dropped out. He's someone just giving a little KO from behind. Maybe when those kids have come around, he's been um, trick or treated. Billy Dib has been trick or treated there. He had no knocks at the door, and then. Uh, someone's opened the door and gone boom. You're back there, Billy. Okay, you cop it on the chin. There, guys. We're here, mate. Did you cop it on the chin from one of those kids, or you you you're all right? No, nah, he's gone for the count. 
Maybe he's gone. he did. Maybe he did. He's gone. Billy, Billy's gone there. Anyway, we'll leave it there. But um, so plenty of uh, fight action around the corner, isn't it? And uh, Billy, we'll leave it there, mate. You get back to those kids and uh, yeah, put one back on there. You know, a little rib tickler. Um, but he knows his stuff, Billy. Dib. Always, always nice to have him on the program as well. So fight coming up there for Zarafa. Fight coming up for Tim Zoo. Um, fight coming up. Massive fight. Uh, ferocious George Cambosis Jr. So that one, um, and he's got a 19 and 0 record. That will be November 22nd for um, Ferocious George Cambosis in New York. Um, Tiofino Lopez. So that's a um, yeah, it's going to be a massive, massive fight, and you will be able to uh, watch all of that on DAZN. And uh, it's always good to talk boxing. This is Sports Central. We might talk a bit of uh, Melbourne Cup next. Melbourne Cup. And again, I'm throwing it out there to our learned listeners. I want to know, I want to know how many multiple Melbourne Cup winners there have been since the great race's inception. And how many horses have done the Caulfield Cup Melbourne Cup double? He's out into the clear and chasing. Allegra at the 200. Here's Hitotsu, though, finishing at a rate of knots. Hitotsu goes on by. Hitotsu storms away. Hitotsu wins the pinfolds. Victoria Darby. Two minutes Allegra on. T-Waters third. Raging Bull fourth. Yeah, Hitotsu taking out the Victorian Derby. Big, big day of racing yesterday at Flemington. Uh, four Group 1s in total. Big day of racing in Sydney as well, including the Golden Eagle, uh, where I'm thum- thunderstruck. Absolutely stormed home with Huey Bowman on board um, and about $10 million or more, probably closer to $11 million in prize money yesterday at Rose Hill Gardens. Uh, Andrew Hawkins, um, racing expert, now joins us on the show. Andrew, thanks for taking some time out, mate. How are you doing? Doing well, Chris, and especially good after a good day's racing yesterday, as you said. It was good and um, a decent day, I guess, for the punters too. Um, so the derby then, Hitotsu, what price did it end up starting? Yeah, Hitotsu had been absolutely hammered uh, yesterday. He'd mm. been about uh, 10 to 1 uh, earlier in the week, but uh, started close to favourite in the end, which was quite... Uh, Quite extraordinary, really, given that he was a horse who hadn't stepped beyond 1,600 metres. Uh, the Derby's at 2,500 metres, so it was uh, a completely different kettle of fish for him going up uh, to the trip. But uh, It's a big step up, isn't it? For a big step up. How many runs? It's, it's only uh, hasn't had that many starts. No, he hasn't. And uh, look, he was coming out of the Caulfield Guineas, which is a, which is a high-class mm. race, and um, so class obviously took him a long way. Um, but still, to, to be able to do that, um, no horse had, had come from the Guineas to the Derby straight. Uh, I think it was since 1956. And uh, that horse in 1956 had run at the uh, mile and a half before dropping back to the mile for the Caulfield Guineas. So for a horse to have never actually run beyond the uh, 14, or beyond the 1,600 metres, uh, getting up to the 2,500 metres, it's just, it's unheard of. And uh, yet the way that he won, uh, in the end, he started $4. Uh, you know, he was back in the favouritism and, and the way that he won, you, you think that he'd probably be able to go another lap and could be a Melbourne Cup contender next year. Well, okay, yeah. Well, that's, so that's that's something that might be on, on the horizon then for uh, connections, um, Hitotsu. All right, well, the Coolmore start, Home Affair, I mean, that was probably the race of the day, wasn't it? The, the, the big performance of the day? It was the big performance of the day. Uh, look, any horse that can, or any three-year-old uh, that can win that race is uh, made at stud. Um, Coolmore Stud owning uh, the Coolmore Stud Stakes winner in Home Affairs, and the way that he won it, he's probably the most valuable horse in the country now. Um, you know, you, you could send him to Stud tomorrow, and 
and uh, he'd make a lot, a lot of money. But uh, the way in which he did it was very, very impressive. Um, unfortunately, I was on him in the Everest, but he ran in the Everest in Sydney, and, mm. and uh, he faded to finish ninth behind Nature Strip. But uh, yesterday was the real home affairs. Um, look, punters again thinking that it would happen. He was backed into five dollars, uh, second favourite, and he just stormed away, one by three lengths, and uh, it was a really hot. Uh, Cornwall stud stakes as well, a very good field, uh, and he made them look second rate. So really, really impressive, and and very excited to see what he might be able to do uh, come uh, obviously the autumn next year. And who knows, Cornwall might decide to keep him in training for an Everest at four. Mm, okay. Um, now, one jockey that can really uh, sniff out a, a Group One win, uh, and he does it in his sleep, is D Oliver, uh, Empire Rose Stakes, uh, Colette. Colette, very impressive. Uh, look, again, as you say, he can sniff out a Group 1, can uh, Damien Oliver, and uh, yesterday actually became the most uh, successful Group 1 winning jockey in uh, Australian history, beating mm. Bobby Lewis's record. So, um, look, very big day for him, and he couldn't have he couldn't have ridden two better races uh, with the two group ones that he that he won yesterday. Colette, um, she started at a big price, um, which was surprising given that she she was the class runner of the field. She was a group one winner. Um, she won the Golden Eagle last year. And uh, look, the, the reason was that it, w- it was a firmer track than what she generally likes. She like, uh, normally likes quite a wet track. But even still, starting at $13 is, is surreal for a, a mare that... Um, Loves the mile, uh, loves the the uh, Flemington track. Mm. She'd, she'd been a winner there before, um, won very impressively in the Tristark leading in. Um, I, I, you know, it's one of those things after the race that you look at and you go, how did she start $13? But uh, it was a, a Damien Oliver masterpiece, bringing her through towards the inside, threading the needle, and uh, and she came through to beat uh, a couple of other very highly credentialed mares in uh, Mystic Journey and Hungry Heart. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't watch all of uh, the races from Flemington yesterday. I had a, a couple of interests in Sydney, but uh, Cantala take us through that. That was the other group. Group one. It was, and it was a very tight finish. There were four of them across the track, and again, Oliver just managing to to get there at the right time. Uh, Superstorm looked to be going nowhere at the three hundred meters, and and has suddenly picked up and uh, has managed to just get through to beat Icebath, who uh, won the invitation in Sydney last week. So uh, a very good seven days for her. Uh, Cascadian finished third, and that was actually his third placing in the race. I think he's been beaten uh, ahead and two necks in the race in the last three years, and and unfortunately just beaten again uh, the favourite Mr Brightside fourth, but a very competitive mile handicap. Good finish, wasn't it? Right across the line. Um, a mate of mine, see, I, I, I'll let you in a little secret here. I, I don't have a betting account these days for very good reason, but a mate of mine does, and I sort of slip him a, a little bit of folding stuff if I am going to have a little bit of a wager and always gamble responsibly. Um, and he'll put the bet on through his app, right? So I'm watching it at home yesterday, and I was on Ice Bath last week. I thought, you know, I, I love a, a horse in form, a quick backup. Um, paying about $10 was Ice Bath. I said, well, obviously each way. So I sent him a quick text. Can you throw you know, X amount each way on it for me? Because I would never back a you know, $10 fancy straight out. Mm. Anyway, it's storming home. Ice Bath and gets in the placings. The four across the line, as you're just pointing out there. Um, so would have got money back in a little bit more. And he sent me a text. Was... He sent me a text. Sorry, yeah. mate. I, I, I put it on the win on the nose for you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? That is the worst message to receive. That's that's one of those. I'm writing at that... home. I'm writing at home. I'm waiting oh. for the photo finish, and it comes up in the in the semaphore, and I'm thinking, thank goodness, you beauty. Uh, then I got the text, 
anyway, that's uh, yeah, it's a mugs game. You Believe know that. me, it's, ha- it's happened <laughs> to everyone. That's, <laughs> that's oh. but it's, it is one of those things that you, you think when you think that you've you've had that uh, oh, no. you know had that wager and you think that you're there and and uh, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, if she'd, if she'd been knows better, then it would have been all okay. But, oh, uh, no. No, but she ran she ran a tremendous rage. She's got a she's got a heart of steel. She does. She was. But you know, and when you're doing that with mates, and we're off track here a little bit anyway, it doesn't matter. But you sort of you've got no leg to stand on because your mates doing your favour, putting your bet on anyway, isn't it? You know, so you can't. Be... Of course, but but you still you still you still uh, uh, you can be a bit salty about it, regardless. <laughs> well, I am, I am. He knows that, but you know. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, now let's go to Sydney. Uh, Golden Eagle. What a finish! What a finish that was uh, Bowman on board and carried um, on Thunderstruck home. Um, I was just a hundred out, still three, three lengths off the pace. I couldn't believe that he made it there. Um, look, I'm Thunderstruck. He's, he, he was the, the form horse in the race coming out of the two rack in Melbourne. Um, that, that form stood up yesterday as well. Uh, Superstorm coming out of that race and, and winning the Cantala. But even still um, for, 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 for a horse, who is still quite lightly raced. He's a, you know, he's still a, a young horse. Uh, I mean, I, I know he's a four-year-old, but he's only had the nine starts. Um, for, for a horse to knuckle down like that, it was incredibly impressive. Uh, you just don't see horses do that. And it, everything he's showing suggests that he's going to be even better in six months and 12 months. So uh, the fact that he was able to run down Count de Rupi, who really looked like... Uh, uh, Count the Rupi had, had raced clear and, and looked the winner. Mm. Uh, it was a very, very impressive effort from I'm Thunderstruck. And, and you talk about uh, Damon Oliver knowing uh, how to win these these big races. I tell you, Hugh Bowman, uh, <laughs> he can really lift them, as you say. They're like a magnet, aren't they? D. Oliver and H. Bowman, a magnet to Group 1s um, and the, the riches that, that come along with them. The Melbourne Cup then. So the field's locked away. Um, Melbourne Cup favourite incentivise, hoping to do the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup double. Eased is a little bit in betting from 230 out to 2.50, I believe, after drawing barrier 16 for Tuesday's big race. I actually don't think the barrier is that much of a concern. It, it is the reason that he's drifted. Um, people looking at it, it's uh, barrier 16, obviously wide, but he's going to push forward anyway. Um, a lot of the speed in the race is drawn quite low in the in in there. So uh, Twilight Payment obviously led all the way last year. He's drawn in barrier one, so he'll push forward from there. Um, but there, there does look to be quite a bit of pressure, and I think that uh, that gives uh, Brett Preble quite a few options as to whether he pushes on to lead if they decide to to go slow. He can settle in behind them if they they quicken up uh, down that Flemington straight. Uh, look, incentivise. He's he's going to be the shortest. Price Melbourne Cup favourite since Farlap in 1930, um, so it's going to be it's going to be quite a bit of history. Uh, obviously, no horse winning the the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double since Ethereal in 2001. But uh, I think that he's he's ticking all the boxes. And uh, a quirky little fact too, he'll be the first Melbourne Cup winner to start with the letter I. Should he win? Oh, very good. Very good. I was looking for quirky, quirky stats. Yeah, I was looking for some quirky stats, and I, I had a few um, jotted down as well, but I like that. Um, talking of quirky stats, uh, incentivise, I think, yeah, drew a jump from barrier 18 uh, to win the Caulfield Cup. So doesn't really concern uh, incentivise too much, but uh, you may as well rip up your ticket if you've backed Sir Lucan, is it, after he drew barrier 18, because that's a position no horse has ever won the Cup from. That's correct, and I must admit uh, I've been doing quite a bit of work for Highclere uh, Thoroughbred Racing, who owns Great House. Um, and so the way that they did the barrier draw yesterday, normally what would happen is that they would draw the barrier 
um, they would draw it uh, by connections going up and picking up a small Melbourne Cup trophy. But due to COVID, that's not happening. So it was done automatically on uh, Channel 10. And they're going through from top to bottom. And we get down towards Great House. And, and I said uh, to my mates who I was watching it with, I said, look, the, the only barrier we don't want to draw is barrier 18. And we get to, to Great House and Sir Lucan, and there's two barriers left, barrier 7 and barrier 18. And my head is in my hands thinking, oh, no, we're going to put barrier 18. And it is, it is the kiss of death. And uh, we get barrier 7. So, so I was very grateful there. Um, Sir Lucan, he's a horse who, who comes across from the UK, hasn't raced in Australia. Uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott generally like their horses ridden forward, but this horse always seemed to miss the start in the UK and always ended up back last. So uh, if that's the case here, well, look, Barrier 18 won't be that much of a, a difference to, to where he ends up because he probably would have ended up there whether he was from, from Barrier number 5 mm. or Barrier 24. So, um, But it, it is it is that historic kiss of death. And uh, as I say, being involved with some of the owners of Great House, I'm very glad that... A great house didn't get barrier 18. Oh, I bet you are. Uh, so other stories uh, then uh, coming into the Melbourne Cup, a couple of days out from it. So five horses out of last year's Melbourne Cup are back again. You've got Twilight Payment, very elegant, the chosen one. Uh, Persan, is it? Is that how you pronounce it? And also uh, yep. Mi- Miami, Miami bound. And there are only two um, overseas trained stayers in the race, uh, Twilight Payment, Joseph O'Brien, and Spanish Mission as well. That's right, and it, it's made the Cup a different race this year than it has been in recent years. Uh, some people like it, some people don't. Um, it's gone back to, to being more what it was in the mid-90s when you first had these internationals coming over, but you still had a really strong local presence. Um, now, for me personally, I, I really quite enjoy it. People people know the form of these horses locally. Um, you still get that, that class of that international presence um, and, and the thing is, is if you look at the mid-90s, it was a real halcyon time for the, uh, for the Melbourne Cup. You had winners like uh, Sub-Zero, Let's Elope, uh, Might and Power, Saintly, you know, some of the real good winners of the Melbourne Cup. So if we can get a Melbourne Cup like that, that would be great. Um, incentivised could potentially be that uh, that way as well. Um, but again, as you say, uh, Twilight Payment aiming to become just sixth horse to, to win two Melbourne Cups. Um, it's going to be tough for him with 58 kilos. Uh, you get horses trying to come back and, and win again. The chosen one, this will be his third time at the Melbourne Cup, but uh, he did run well for fourth last year. Very elegant, got a lot of weight. Probably would want some rain, and that's not likely to come. Mm. Um, Miami Bound, another who'd probably want rain, and she she ran uh, beyond midfield last year. So, uh, look, it's a, it's a very interesting Melbourne Cup. There are a number of ways you can go. Um, as I say, a, a lot of these horses now are known by Australian punters. They've been seen... Uh, plenty over over the recent months and, and years and I, I think there's a positive to that in that you can draw some some lines between them and you can you can make some assessments that way so uh, it is going to be an, an exciting race as always um, hopefully uh, look it plays out uh, just like some of those Melbourne cups in the in the mid to late 90s a lot of our, our punters might also and, and you yeah, know some some punters come out of the woodwork they're only they only have a bet on Melbourne Cup it might be their only bet all year and, and generally or often they'll go for uh, the jockey who is on board we talk about Hugh Bowman and Damien Oliver being sort of magnets for group one um, wins uh, if you look at the jockey so we've got Glenn boss Kieran McAvoy and Damien Oliver they're all aiming for their fourth Melbourne Cup. Uh, victory, and uh, they will then, if they do, or one of them, um, equal the record held by uh, Bobby Lewis and Harry White. 
That's right. And uh, as you say, you've got three very good uh, riders there and all of them on chances as well. Um, and so that's that's what makes it makes it fascinating. I mean, Karen, uh, probably one of the best riders of stays in the country. Glenn Boss, as good a big race rider as there is. Um, and Damien, now with that, that record uh, of Group 1 wins, he'd love to add another one and obviously riding in form. Um, but then you look at some of the the other riders that haven't won a Melbourne Cup. Uh, a rider like James McDonald, for instance, who had a fantastic day yesterday, um, dominates up in Sydney. Um, but because of his weight, generally doesn't get rides in, in these handicaps. Um, John Allen, he, he rode the Cox Plate winner last weekend. He rode the Victoria Derby winner yesterday. He rides Explosive Jack. Uh, Brett Preble has been riding in brilliant form. So there are a number of stories there. And as you say, for the for the once-a-year punter, it's it's obviously about... Yeah, looking at the jockey, looking at the trainer, looking at the the horse name, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's a few there that uh, that uh, by name will probably end up being shorter than they would be otherwise. Uh, Master of Wine, a good example there. Mm. All right. Well, uh, before you go, then obviously uh, the big question is, um, I'd like you, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, I'd like you uh, to give me the trifecta. Okay. Well, look, great house. I've got to stick solid there. It is my heart ruling my head, but. Yes. Uh, he comes off the, the Lexus win on Saturday. Uh, the Lexus has been a good guide to, to horses coming through into the Melbourne Cup. Uh, horses like Shocking and, and Brew did the double and, and a number of placed as well. So great house, uh, finding form at the right time. Uh, trained by, trained by Chris Waller, yet to win Chris a Melbourne Waller, Cup. Um, which is extraordinary, given given his big race record. And also, he's he's got so many stayers. I can't believe that, that he hasn't actually won a Melbourne Cup yet, but he's got mm. four chances this year, and I, I think Great House is, is the best of them. Okay. Um, Incentivise, you've got to include in, in the trifecta. Well, let's do a box Let's a do a box trifecta, shall we? Give me four. Four-horse yes. box trifecta. Okay, okay. I'll, do, I'll do that. And, let's, and, and hopefully Incentivise misses out so that you can get a bit more value. Um, Incentivise, got to, got to yes. include him. Um, I think Charlie Rose, number 21, is, is a horse worth watching. She uh, won one of the big staying handicaps at Flemington in January um, by seven lengths, and she's just coming out of winning a Geelong Cup. Uh, Mayor's coming out of the, the Geelong Cup, going to Melbourne, uh, the Melbourne Cup, have a good record. Mm. Uh, she's right down in the weights as well. Uh, I think she's, uh, she's a mare with a really quite a promising future uh, ahead of her is uh, Charlie Rose. And we'll go with the 22 as well, floating artist. He needed a few things to go right yesterday to be able to get a run in the in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, probably should have won his last two. He's racing in tremendous form. Very good in the Mooney Valley Cup last uh, weekend. And uh, floating artist is the type of horse who really just should end up in the right position. And uh, he's got a he's got a really electric turn of foot. So okay. uh, in my box trifecta, two, 21, 22, 23. Wow, you've gone for some real lightweights there. What's the weather? What's the track going to be like Tuesday? Do, will it favour the lighter weights? Uh, I think so in, in that uh, it's going to be a, a firm track and it's also going to be quite warm. So, you know, anything, any any advantage that you can get is really going to help. Uh, I think that's going to be the case with, with these lightweights here. It's, again, interesting because the Melbourne Cup uh, in recent years has become such a classy race that uh, the handicap scale has gone a bit different in that uh, there's less difference between those at the top and those at the bottom. But this year, you actually got some really legitimate lightweights, some horses getting in uh, with no weight on their back. Uh, for example, Great House drops uh, seven and a half kilos from, from yesterday. So, mm. uh, you know, that's 
from 57.5 to 50, that's uh, quite a considerable uh, percentage difference there. I think you've got me there with Greathouse and, and Waller. All right, there is the box trifecta there. Number two, Incentivise. Number 21, Charlie Rose. 22, Floating Artist. And 23, Great House. A four-horse box trifecta. Um, and I appreciate you jumping on the line, Andrew. So uh, happy punting. Good luck for Tuesday. Thanks very much, Chris. Cheers. There is Andrew Hawkins. Um, knows he's racing inside and out. And obviously, if you are going to have a little flutter, uh, do so responsibly. Yes, it is coming up to seven minutes to three o'clock. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon and probably, maybe, uh, depending on the area in which you live, uh, gearing up for uh, Halloween. I guess it's about now they start banging your door down or maybe they've already done that. Why is Halloween such a big thing these days anyway? It never was when I was a... A youngster, but uh, I tell you, my kids have been living for it. Never done trick-or-treating, Chris, never. No? No. You haven't got kids either, have you? No. You were talking just quickly about ice bath before with Andrew. I was. Um, I put some money on, and each way, so not to win. Well, so did I. Well, you thought you did. Well, he's... my my SP bookie, yes. his name his name's the quarterback. Oh well, and he's coming yes. on in about quarter past three. You can raise that issue. Well, with I think him. I will be I having a chat should. with him. Well, yes. I haven't spoken to him since yesterday. We could have a fine on air. I've got the text to prove it. Twenty five each way. It was little flutter. Well, I look forward to ice this. bath paying eleven dollars. This really has. I cheered at home. I waited good. for the photo finish. You were so excited. Second ice bath. Thank yep. goodness for yep. that. Money what, back in the kick and a little bit more. And what was your action when he texted? Then you? I, oh, well, what do you do? <laughs> Mate, look, you're doing me a favour anyway. Um, I mean, it's nice of him. But what, to put the wrong bet on? But to do you a favour. Well, you can tell him that. A quarterback will. will join us about quarter past three. We'll go through a bit of NFL as well. And uh, Jimmy Smith will be joining us at four as well. And uh, one of his guests is the great Hugh Bowman. Three o'clock on the dot. Uh, hope you're enjoying uh, your afternoon. Halloween day. Happy Halloween to you. We're here for another hour. And then uh, Jimmy Smith will take the reins. Um, I hope he takes the reins as well as Hugh Bowman did yesterday. On yes. I'm thunderstruck. I'm sure he will, and he'll be he'll be talking to Huey Bowman too um, in the first hour. So stick yeah. around for that. Now uh, I was a bit of a conundrum. So I was just talking uh, earlier on, and a mate of mine put a bet on for me yesterday. So what's what's reasonable here? What are the protocols, right? And I'm asking for your advice at home to our listeners. Send me a text in. You get someone, one of your mates, to put a bet on for you. So he's doing you a favour. But what happens when he stuffs it up? And so you bet you thought you'd had a win, you actually hadn't. Have you got any recourse, uh, a leg to stand on? How do you go about it? I mean, how do you react? Because he's doing you a favour by putting your bet on, but then he's stuffed up and, and, and cost you, like happened to me yesterday. But, I, I, you know. Could he give you the money that you lost? In That's the, not fair, no, not fair, because, no, no he's okay. doing me a favour. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. take I, Look, in the end, I came out, I got my money back, right? Correct. Because it... Oh, no, I didn't. No, you wouldn't have. No, I didn't. No. Because no. you had it to so win. So I backed the horse yesterday. Yes. Each way. It was yeah. 10 to 1. It's come second. So I mm. get my money back in a little bit more. Good as gold. It's not a loss. Yeah. And then you get the text, sorry, buddy, I put it on to win. Not good. Well, that's... Yeah. What do you do? I mean... I don't know. He's doing me a favour. He's doing a very no, nice no. thing. What are the protocols? Come on. Um... Guys at a bar, what, or girls at a bar, what's 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 the rule of thumb here? Have I got a, any right to be angry or annoyed, or that just comes with the territory? Anyway, let me know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. I'll be talking to this mate yes. of mine shortly. I was, actually, I was just about to say, I like how he's coming on the show in about ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, I said to him, "Look, don't worry." I said, "You won't uh, mention it." I will. Yeah, I know, I know you. First will. question. <laughs> I said, "Don't worry about it." Look, um, you know, you're doing me a favour anyway. But um, anyway, anyway. 
what are the rule? What's the rule of thumb out there, mates? Uh, you guys out there, you, it's happened to plenty of you, I'm sure. Um, how do I how do I react to this I one? How do I react I to it? Know. Anyway, it's not cattle stations. Uh, keep those texts coming through. You might have some some thoughts on that. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Now, re uh, our dismal performance last night in the cricket. Bondi Jack has been in touch with us via text. Um, He's written a bit of a thesis here, Bondi. I hope you're well. Uh, G'day, Wah, the Oz players and coach. So pathetic. Warner walks at Wokes. Second over. Again, out every time he charges. Uh, then moves Smith to number three instead of a left-hand Wade. Then Stoinis plays back to length ball from Spinner. Darren Berry predicts the whole dumb fast before each uh, tactical fail happens. Berry says, watch Butler stand deep in his crease and lift them. Woeful. They drop Marsh, play two spinners, but don't start with pace off Spinner till sixth over when the game is gone. Brutalised tactical and physically. Finch says, just one of those days we'll dust ourselves off. Cheers, Bondi Jack. All right. Thank you, Bondi Jack. Um, an in-depth summary there. Yeah, in a nutshell, poor. Uh, very, very poor, particularly by uh, our batsmen. And perhaps you could extend that to the selectors around uh, the table. All right. Well, during the weekend, uh, you would have uh, read um, some news out and about that uh, the 18th NRL franchise, one of the interested parties, should I say very interested parties, is the North Sydney Bears. Now, they're obviously playing in the second tier competition, um, but they're foundation club, aren't they? North Sydney Bears, I'm sure they were. Yeah, so they are desperate to come back into the big time. Will it ever happen? I'm not so sure, but they're very, very keen, uh, very, very keen to make it happen. Their chairman is a man by the name of Daniel Dixon, and he spoke on Friday to Matt White. Well, the Dolphins are in. We know that. We're up to 17 teams. But you get the feeling the NRL's expansion isn't over yet. Could we go to 18 teams? It'd make sense, wouldn't it? And if so, who would be next? Well, the North Sydney Bears have made it clear they are ready to rumble and ready to return to top flight rugby league. Their chairman, Daniel Dixon, is on the line this morning. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Where are you at with a bid to become the 18th NRL team? Yeah, look, we're obviously being a bit proactive. I know the NRL haven't actually asked for submissions as yet, uh, but at the same time, we think it's best to make sure that we're on the front foot there. Uh, we have put our concept and structure together and how we feel it could work best, and we're ready to present that when the NRL uh, you know, has us at the table. So have you approached the NRL? Have you reached out to Peter Volandis or Andrew Abdo? Yeah, look, four months ago, four or five months ago, I had a, a, a very sort of casual meeting with them, and uh, this was not actually to talk about the 18th team because the 17th team wasn't even finalised as yet. Uh, it was just to let them know we're here and probably being such a long process, that 17th team, we didn't want to uh, challenge or, or sort of cause any more um, disturbances for the NRL. But at the same time, they really need to know that the Bears are here and this 113-year rich history I keep talking about of history, heritage and heart, it's, it's there and it should be back in the NRL. So is that more a case of just, I mean, we always knew that the 18th team was going to be based up there in Queensland. So... When that Sorry, the 17th team. So when that was starting to gain formation, did you just put your hand up just to let the NRL know that you're, you're still there and you're still interested? Oh, I actually spoke of this structure that we're presenting now months ago that said, look, this is early days. And I actually said, you're going to think this right now is a long shot because you're so focused on the 17th team, but just have this in the back of your mind. And uh, it, it wasn't spoken much more of that. At least they knew about it. And um, this was definitely more of a proactive jump forward. History and heritage, you mentioned there, Daniel, and, and obviously 
the North Sydney Bears have it in spades. Um, finances was one of the key things that I think got the Dolphins across the line, amongst other things. But certainly finances are right at the top of the table. Where are you placed with cash in the bank, with assets, etc.? Yeah, so um, obviously we're, we're supported on a, on a sponsorship level by our leagues club. Uh, they're, they're not the ownership of the club as such, and that's probably pretty important to get out there. They support our club enormously, have done for a very long time. And moving forward, the exciting thing is they would definitely um, you know, be there for the long-term front, front of jersey sponsor. But the private ownership uh, structure, we've gone through very, very briefly with the NRL, and they know the people involved, and uh, that's not a concern for us. We would never have uh, put, a, put a suggestion forward if we thought financially we're going to be a burden on the NRL. In actual fact, I think we are de-risking their growth um, chances to, to grow in the NRL by, by using the Bears with such that history I'm talking about and obviously the financial backing and people we've got on board. Are you aiming to become the North Sydney Bears or are you open to becoming the Bears in another location? Yeah, so we actually had a relaunch of our logo the other night and probably in line with this, we will always be the North Sydney Bears. No one will ever, ever take that away. Uh, as I said, that 113-year history will not be taken away. But we do want to mould with the game, and I think the ones who are flexible and mouldable will change and adapt with the times. If you think what COVID's done for people, it's driving them to the regions and the uh, rural New South Wales, and we want to follow that. And so North Sydney will always be our base. Uh, like a lot of clubs these days, they're just the Bears. You know, it's the Broncos, it's the Bulldogs, it's the Seagulls, it's the Bears. So we don't think that needs to um, have too much of a light shine on it, but knowing we would work ourselves into those areas and be a strong partner in, the, in regional New South Wales would be uh, where we want to position this. One of my listeners yesterday, Daniel, said, look, it, it makes sense that if the game wants to expand and the Bears want to come in, and if they wanted a team perhaps in Perth, you could be the Western Bears, this is one of the listeners saying that, and you could play some really key games back at North Sydney. So if the league said to you, we're open to an 18th team and we're open to the Bears coming back in, but we don't want another team in Sydney... Would you still be part of the action or, or would you say we're sticking fast with North Sydney as our geogra- geographical home? Look, I think, uh, obviously, if the league call us and, and they see positioning that that would um, benefit the game, we would consider anything. At the same time, I think uh, speaking for our people and knowing that the Bears are a team of the people, our first priority would be position at North Sydney and, uh, and take it to regional New South Wales. If the league have different opinions and they, they know this national brand we've got of this uh, rich heritage is, is needed, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. What about uh, Centre of Excellence? I note that there's aims to build a Centre of Excellence uh, in the heart of North Sydney, which would go down very well. Absolutely. So I think this is a, a big push from state government as well. And I had some great chats yesterday with uh, uh, some of the, uh, the ministers and, uh, and people of local council and even state and federal, and, and they're right behind this. So that's exciting. Uh, I think the big thing is, from a community perspective, we need to make sure that we are providing opportunities to the community, and there'll be nothing better than a centre of excellence or a community centre as such in uh, the North Sydney LGA. Yeah, and you mentioned regional areas, mate. You're talking, what, Damworth, uh, Tamworth, Dubbo, Coffs Harbour, etc. That's your aim to take home games on the road? Absolutely, Central Coast as well. But those places that have such rich rugby league heartland uh, to us is where we would work with. But remember, uh, one thing we've been very definite on is we're not fixed by those places and they may already have relationships that they're happy with. 
Um, but the concept as such would be working with those people who just want that little bit more contact. And it's not just about taking a game there. I said this to one of the ministers yesterday. This is about developing a relationship, opportunities and pathways for people in those areas to have that connection through to rugby league. And to be honest, we really want rugby league to be owned by New South Wales, not just by Sydney. Hence why we're suggesting the regional trips. So we know the Dolphins, Daniel, are coming in in 2023. Could you put a time frame that, that you would prefer if there was an 18th team on the table? I'm glad you said what I'd prefer. Uh, that, that was uh, sooner or even yesterday. But at the same time, being very mindful of the NRL's position there, I think 23 kicks in for the Dolphins, and you know I think they'll do a great job there. And I would suggest 25 could be a great introduction. Uh, again, I think talking about it now gives us time to create that the anticipation and build the structure for what uh, has to be successful for the NRL. I know these are massive what-ifs, but when we look at what was happening up there with the three bids from the Queensland franchises trying to get in, the interesting thing was all three had Wayne Bennett as their coach. All three knew who was going to be their head coach. So let me throw a couple at you. Have you got any ideas around a coach? No, look, we're probably not at that level yet, but um, <laughs> I think there's a, there's a huge amount of great man managers, not just Wayne. I think Wayne's great. Um, I think there's an amazing amount of managers that we could choose from. But remembering the Bears have this strong history, there'll be people coming out of the woodwork to work with us here. So I have no concerns at all we'll get a person who's going to guide us forward as coaching uh, in 2025 or beyond. Have you got a marquee player? Is there a player right now, if you were ready to rumble, who you'd like to look at to lead the Bears charge? And I'm a little bit past my years, unfortunately, so it won't be me. Um, look, I think... I, I think the game's still got, you know, four years beyond there. It could be someone who's reached the NRL this year. You know, I, I, we really are not at that stage. To be honest, what, we, what we're focusing on right now is making sure that the structure is, is sound, it's commercially viable, it's financially sound. Uh, so I'm not saying players and coaches aren't considered, but at the same time, in order for us to be the right partner and the 118th layer of success in the NRL, we, we've got to, first of all, concentrate on the corporate structure and, uh, and how that works before we put anyone in, in boots and shorts and socks. Yeah, and I guess one thing that you could look at with the rich history that the Bears have and the amount of amazing players that came through that system is past players to lean on, some of the greats to lean on. So I imagine that once you start putting this out there and you already have, that your, your phone's running hot, mate, and that you're getting past players coming in. So would there be anybody who you could um, hand the flag to to wave strongly and be the face of, of your push? Oh, look... Absolutely. I mean, we had 90 players this year at our old uh, our Bears Legends Day. And that was this year. The great Mark Graham flew down from Gladstone and, you know, John Adam and, and we had all the current 90s, all the 90s players and all the way through to the current guys, we got a really rich, strong heritage in our playing um, for past players. And, God, you look at Gary Larson, you look at you know, Jason Taylor's our head coach right now, Greg Florimo's our welfare officer right now. So they're, they're in and around the game. Um, you know, I know Benny Eichen's gone to the Broncos, but he's, he's a big pusher for this as well. He thinks the Bears need to be back in the comp. There's thousands, and I can't think of one specifically who it would be. Good on you, mate. Well, thanks for the update. We uh, wait with interest to see what's going to happen out of headquarters. And, of course, as soon as anything happens, the Bears will be right there. So we'll be following your journey along the way. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, there you have it. Daniel Dixon, the chairman of the North Sydney Bears, talking to our own Matt White on Friday morning. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, are they clutching at straws? Are they a tad ambitious? I mean, look, we'd all love to have the Bears back in, wouldn't we? But 
We'd all love to have Newtown back in, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, we'd. I'd love to have West Magpies back in. Well, I've, I've had... Illawarra Steelers, I mean, you know. I've had the pleasure to call quite a few New South Wales Cup games at North Sydney Oval and Henson Park. Great experience. A uh, lot of fans. And it's always, not packed, but there's always quite a lot of people there, four, 5,000 people. So, no, it's always a good, enjoyable experience at those grounds. Mm. It's not expansion, though, is it? It's not expansion, no. But uh, they do have a lot of supporters behind them. They do, but I think some other bids uh, might stack up a little bit more than North Sydney Bears. Um, let me know what you think on that. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. I was talking earlier about uh, I, I had a mate of mine put a bet on for me yesterday in a bit yes. of a conundrum. Um, he stuffed it up. He, he put did. the wrong bet on. I mean, what's the protocol here? What's the protocol? Um, how should I feel? Have I got a leg to stand on or should I just, just suck it up? Um I've got a few responding to that here. Um, what have we got here? Uh, uh, wily old dog here, champ. Had a mate fail to put a bet on and it cost me, oh, wow, uh, a 10,000 trifecta. Can't get blood out of a stone, but your mate should be stumping up the 100 it cost you. No questions asked. Well, it didn't cost me a hundred, really. I would have got my money back, etc. Anyway, he's been good about it. We're going to talk to him next. His name's the quarterback. He he loves his NFL, so we're going to have a chat to him shortly um, about what's happening in the NFL tomorrow. Um, this one here, Tim, the tool man, uh, re my mate, putting on the wrong bet. Now, Timmy's saying, yeah, well, that's what he's telling you. Uh, he probably backed it each way, but telling you he only backed it on the nose, and hence he keeps the cash. Uh, but hey, hey, that's uh, that's his account keeping fees anyway. And the lesson to you uh, is get your own bloody account. We'll talk to uh, the quarterback next. Yes, indeed. Coming up to 25 minutes to four. Jimmy Smith will take you away from four till seven. And uh, among his guests, he'll be talking to Hugh Bowman after his big win yesterday in uh, the Golden Eagle on I'm Thunderstruck. And uh, thank you, Hugh. Uh, you certainly helped uh, helped out the uh, the charity that is uh, Chris Warren Incorporated yesterday. Um, I've been asking all day, what are your scariest movies? I.e., in line with uh, with today being Halloween and all the kids out there. Um, and this one here from Big G, <laughs> he says, horror movies see no evil, or any home movies involving the mother-in-law. <laughs> Oh, dear, Big G, I don't know what you are talking about there. Um, no. Anyway, the mind boggles. Let's get back to sport, shall we? Some serious stuff. And uh, on Friday, uh, Joel Kane and Brett Finch, they were down at the Sporting Globe Friday afternoon. You probably tuned into some of it. If you didn't, they had a, a number of guests on there. One of them is the new Sydney Kings coach, Chase Buford. Now, the uh, new season begins on December 3. And, uh, well, the Kings, they tip off their first game of the new season on December 5. A talented youngster all the way from the United States, from San Antonio, Chase Buford has taken the reins of the Sydney Kings. And I'm pleased to say, I'm pleased to say that the great man is sitting next to you and I, Brett Finch, and he's in the house. Chase, firstly, congratulations and welcome to Australia. Thanks, Joel. Brett, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Great to be in Sydney and uh, excited to the up uh, looking forward to the upcoming season. The obvious question is the sliding doors. How, how does a young fellow who who grew up, you, you grew up uh, with your dad in the San Antonio Spurs, and how do you find yourself here on a beautiful afternoon at Sporting Globe Talking to me, Joe. Talking to a couple of dribblers <laughs> who never, ever would have went close to playing basketball. How did the Australia move happen? 
Yeah, I think um, it was kind of a sequence of events. that It all started having a, a lunch with Will Weaver when the Bucks were playing the Rockets earlier this season. Obviously, Will coached here for a year, and I was just eager to pick his brain about his experience in Sydney and you know what he learned, how he enjoyed it, and he raved about it and, and said it was the best thing he could ever done. And um, I think probably our conversation sparked some conversations between him and, and Paul and Chris and, and some of the powers that be here. And Chris and I spoke third in the playoffs last year and uh, kind of the rest kind of worked itself out over the course of summer and it's a great opportunity for me and I couldn't be more excited. How is the how is the Australian game viewed I guess in the NBA probably now more than ever Brooks are you right across this there's more probably Australians you know led by Paddy Mills and Ben Simmons Joe Inglis they're there that are, that are in the NBA right now um, our boomers are probably as strong as they've ever been what is the perception of, of the Australian game over there in the States. Yeah, I think it's growing all the time, obviously with the, the gold or the rose gold medal success, yeah. as they like to call it. Uh, that the team they had was terrific. And, and for the majority of the Olympics, you'd have to say they were the best team there outside of maybe a second half performance yeah. against the U.S. Um, but, you know, not only that, the play, like you said, the players, Patty's made an impact on championship teams. Um, you know, obviously Bogues did yeah. the same and yeah. as a number one pick, raised the elevation of the game. But... Um, even now, the kids coming out of the NBL to be drafted or, or to come in the NBA, whether it's Jay Sean, who came yep. through the Kings, you know, obviously LaMelo's had a hell of a yep. career already, and you'd have to say the NBL really prepared him for that. And Giddy, you know, what, what a surprise he's been, but I think he's all the rave in the early talks on the NBA circles. And, and he mentioned Andrew Bogart there himself and Luke Longley have had some hands-on experience. That must be a huge buzz because they're two of the probably our two biggest stars we've ever had. Yeah, I can't believe I left Luke out. He's been such a rock for he me. Only, he uh, only wants three rings. No, it, it, Michael Jordan <laughs> left him out also. That makes <laughs> well, no, uh, no, it doesn't because he's been so great yeah. to me throughout this whole process. I mean, I talked to him on my ride home yeah. today. And yeah. Just a great sounding board, uh, a great you know, reference point for our players yeah. and our coaches who've but, been but it all and seen it all. It's a good pat on the back for you that he wants to be involved with you as well and, and be involved with the Kings. Well, it's a job. I think he gets paid yeah. to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about um, the – what about your move just to Australia? Basketball aside, what's been your first impressions of Australia? Is this your first time to Australia? Uh, I came when I was about eight years old for the under-23 championships with oh, my wow. dad and mom, and we toured a little bit. Um, but, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it was the view outside my hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't go anyway. We had another snap isolation, and it was just, you know, wait and wait and wait. And then obviously the last three weeks, month or so, it's been mm. awesome to, to get out and explore a little bit. Mate, talk about growing up. I grew up in Newcastle where my dad was a coach in and around the players yeah. when it was the John's boys in the Knights dynasty. I, I love me sport, American sport, NFL, NBA. The San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich are one of the great sporting dynasties sporting organizations all the time they're very much focused on team you know there's no rule well they've had plenty of stars tim duncan especially uh moving the ball around there's no real one high score in the team what was it like growing up in in that uh in that team where i think they've won five rings across that time they're one of the sporting great sporting teams in american sport yeah you know you talk about the stars i think it, it really boils down to david and, and then tim yeah uh, the people who they are uh, you see it, you know, great leaders in sports, but those are two of the best. I mean, humble people, hardworking um, about the team. And when they set a standard like that, it's hard for everybody else not to rise up yeah. to that. And I think yeah. you've seen some of the international players that have added to their culture. And obviously, you know, Patty's been a huge part of that. But um, again, the level that those guys set with their, their work ethic and their humility, 
it's hard for that not to rub off on everyone else, and it, it defines who they've been for, for a long time. Did, did, did that give you a few of the things you take in now with your coaching philosophies or now being around that growing up? For sure. You know, they, they, they have a big phrase, you know, you have to be able to get over yourself. And yeah. I think when you're coaching a I, team, I'm 40, I still haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah, no, as a coach, as a player, you all have to be able to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. And that's something I definitely try to bring yeah, to, to our group and, and keep it light and keep it fun, but also working hard mm. and get better. What's the biggest difference in the style of game, yeah. Australia versus what we see in America? You know, that's something I'll probably learn more as the season yeah. goes on. I've watched, obviously, a ton of NBL games. It's, it's, the FIBA game is obviously more physical, and, and we have a big physical league here. Um, but I think there's a lot of similarities, too. I know talking to Will, talking to Matt Nielsen, who obviously great Kings yeah. legend who's, who's been in both places, um, they, they talk about the similarity it is to the G League at a level I coached at before mm -hmm. and um, kind of a similar style. Again, I think the, the Aussie game, the NBL, is probably ahead of the curve in some ways, closer to the NBA than maybe parts of Europe. Okay, oh, hang on. Here he is. Yeah, sorry. Chase, he couldn't help himself. Well, yeah, he's jumping he's in, very huh? excited. Stop the timer. So our resident uh, NBA slash NBL man, Nathan Brooks. Uh, very rare for him not to be sporting some he, kind you, of You know what? He had, he had all these questions. Apparel. He goes, oh, do you want to answer me on it? Oh, do you want me to answer? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you must ask him. You yeah. ask him. Come on, Brooks. I had to. So obviously last year you were with, with Wisconsin Hurt. And you, you're with the Bucks in that system. You, you obviously grew up with the Spurs system, with all the legends that have come through. What was it like in such an interesting season to see the Bucks develop and win the title in such a... I guess it, it was affected via COVID, but it would have been an experience to watch Giannis through the playoffs and the finals just develop and then dominate in that last game. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I was... Two years ago, I got to coach the Herd and then COVID shortened our season. And as we were making decisions as an organization, whether or not to, to be a part of whatever the G League season was, we just didn't have enough information to do it. And I was, I was gutted. I, I was really excited to, to keep coaching. And, um, but, you know, one door shut opened another and had an opportunity to be around the Bucks all year long and, and get to see firsthand those guys and how they work. And, and to be a part of the playoff run was, was so special. I mean, a couple great series fought through adversity. Um, the way Giannis just handles himself on a day-to-day -day basis and the way he came back from an injury to dominate like he did in the finals was just incredible to watch firsthand, you know, 20 feet away. You talk about sliding doors. Or dip. I'm a Brett, huge Brett Favre fan, so I obviously yeah. watched the Packers growing up, you know, forever, you know, back from the early 90s, watching Lambeau freezing cold weather in Wisconsin. Obviously, Milwaukee's near Green Bay. So there's not... You, you, go, you grew up in Texas, which it would be a 1,000 degrees in San Antonio, <laughs> but then spent time in Milwaukee, which would have been freezing. Yeah, no, uh, Milwaukee, Pennsylvania, Chicago, I toured the Midwest yeah. and just enjoyed my winters <laughs> like heck, but uh, no, which I'm, is, I'm, I'm so excited to come here <laughs> and be able to golf year-round and uh, go to the beach and all those things that was not available when there's 12 inches of snow around <laughs> all, all season long. Chase, you need to speak to the people at the Spurs. Uh, of course, you've got the great contacts there through your father, but... Um, there's a lot of young Australians coming through, and you can probably put that down to COVID. Because of COVID, so many kids and people have been forced to stay home, which is married up perfectly with the time zone. So basketball, NFL, I was down the park the other day, yeah. and never in my life have I ever seen kids playing, we call it touch football, but they're playing touch NFL. I've in never seen that before in my life. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're seeing it in parks in Australia. You're seeing basketball the same. And because of the time zones of the COVID, people forced at home. So you can warn the people in America, there's a lot of Australians starting to come through yeah. because it's well, the world's become smaller because mm. of the streaming services and whatever else. But uh, they're coming. 
I mean, I know there's been a couple stories of, of NRL players or rugby guys yeah. coming over to try to make some. I mean, I've watched a ton of NRL playoffs or finals uh, <laughs> since I've been down here, and i got to believe that there's a few middle linebackers in that place yeah. that could uh, make a pretty penny. Uh, by the way, just before you leave, Chase, it, it's, it'll be 10 or 15 minutes before. But what Finchie likes to do, he'll drag his phone out when we're off air and he'll say, I'll show you this field goal I once did in State of Origin. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's got to get out of here without your headlock and you can get into the bar. Uh, who's impressed you so far out here amongst the team? Uh, or just in general, have, has the team been impressive or have you needed to make a few changes and get them up to speed? No, you know, I think we've tried to really drip feed the way we want to play and work it on a few things at a time and um, really just the last few weeks we've gotten to play five on five more yeah. and, and see some of it come together which has been really fun but no I mean really all the guys have been have been really impressive uh, you go down the list you know obviously Zave coming off his boomers camp experience has, yep. has brought down a bit of an edge and he's worked his way into shape really quick and, and looking really dominant um, the maker cousins have been have been good uh, they've been really impressive with their their professionalism their work ethic um, but I get on the line, Jordy and, and Sean, a couple yep. guys, Glove, they've all been great, and it's yeah. just been fun to be a part of stuff. Chase, your first game will be against Melbourne United, a tough, tough ask. Then it's the rivals, Illawarra Hawks, on December 11. You're looking forward to that? I couldn't be more excited. I mean, what a baptism by fire to get the, the champs in Delhi on opening night. But yeah. um, great to have them in our place, and you know, hopefully we'll have a big crowd there ready to go. And I know our guys will be firing at to get out on a real game. We've been in preseason, it seems like, forever, so they're, they're itching to, to get going. Well, that's going to start off his coaching career. Let's go back quickly to your coaching career. Uh, sorry, playing career. You were at Kansas. It, was, the, it wasn't the, much of a play. Well, career, but it still honest. was. Uh, don't worry. By the end of... No one knows out here. This is why I kept changing clubs. I, I went down to Melbourne because no one followed Luke down there, so I could lie to them all. I didn't know. No one knows over here. You can tell us you were brilliant. Kansas, which is a huge college team over there, which won the NCAA... Uh, tournament, the, the the Sweet 16 and the, the top four, the March Madness, that is a massive sport or a massive event in, in the American sporting calendar. That, that's a huge thing to have on your resume. Yeah, no, it was fun. I, I came into as my as a freshman, 18 years old, to be a part of that team. And we had, I think, seven guys get drafted after yeah. winning wow. a championship. College life would have been terrible as no, well. No, it, it was funny. Danny Manning, who'd won a championship there when my dad coached there, yep. he came up to us and it was like, Hey, just get these guys right for one more week. If they if they figure it out, yeah. like you'll have the most fun you've yeah. ever had in your life, and it was. But uh, no, in San Antonio, no less. Just a, a cool experience to be a part of. Yeah, 100%. Uh, text messages coming through, and this one's not asking you about basketball. It's saying your fiance Kelly's come out. How did you propose? Was the question. How did I propose? Uh, went up, took a gondola up to the top of a mountain in Colorado. Uh, we were there with her sister. It was her birthday, and, and her sister's fiance. And, um, just found a nice spot and took a knee and the rest is history, I guess. Did she, in hindsight, did she know it was coming or not? Uh, I think she knew it was coming before we got on the plane, which was <laughs> imminent, but uh, she, she claimed she was surprised in the moment. Well, there's a harbour bridge just up the road, uh, which is symbolic of Sydney and, and well-known amongst the world. You're representing that harbour bridge in the greater <laughs> Sydney with the famous Sydney King. So Chase Buford, it's in your hands now. We're behind you. We're cheering you on. We can't wait. Uh, congratulations on the role and all the best in Australia. Joel, thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, I remember celebrating in 2004, Matty Nielsen, you said there, when they won in 04. Celebrating with the boys. I hope we're celebrating yeah. again in 2021. Well, we have this uh, saying on our show called Brucen, right? So Brucen is, <laughs> is a term that you use to leverage off someone or something, right? 
but to really make it about you. So Brooksy's taken some photos. So when you win the championship for the Sydney Kings, there'll be a photo of us saying, oh, great to see our mate Chase win the, win the we'll, NBL. You know what I mean? That's Bruce. And we'll, we'll be Bruce and you. you. I yeah. can't wait. If you go no good, we won't have you back on the <laughs> no, show again. Uh, Let me tell you, we'll, we'll no. claim you. If you, if you go good, you're all ours. Yeah. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> That's it. Chase, Buford, well done, mate. Great to chat. Thanks Thank for coming you guys. On, Appreciate you having me on. There he is, Chase Buford, the new coach of the Sydney Kings, uh, introduced to uh, the life Sydney style. Yes. Well, I don't know if uh, Joel and Finchie are truly representative of all of us uh, in the Harbour City, I guess so. I went down to the Sporting Globe on Freedom Day. On Freedom Day? Freedom Day, yes. It was nice. What, free, uh, free beers on offer? Uh, they, they were actually and doing half price. I knew there'd be a hook <laughs> for you. No, no, I didn't know until I got there. Oh, true. Yeah. So that was at the Great Sporting price. Globe, and I'm sure they'll be doing something on Melbourne yeah. Cup Day as well. Um... So big, big day. But uh, thank you there for, for Chase, Chase for joining us there. Now, uh, in terms of uh, the Melbourne Cup, we might talk a little bit more about the Cup uh, after a short break. We haven't got much time left. Uh, I will take this opportunity, though, to, uh, to thank all of you who have sent the text messages through this afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the past uh, three hours or almost four hours. Um, we'll take a quick break. And then when we return, we will wrap up. And taking over the reins from four is Jimmy Smith.